Nuggets are. That's what G said. 2022 Kentucky Derby Preview Show Part 1. We'll have to finish up the end of the Saturday card on a separate episode. But on this episode, I'm going to talk about races 1 through 4. Then Angela Herman joins me to talk about Saturday Churchill Downs race number 5. We get into the Distaff Turf Mile for race number 6. I've got Jessica Paquette hanging out. We are going to talk about the Knicks Go, which is a really nice little stakes race that they uh, added on the Saturday undercard at Churchill Downs. Race number 7, Ren Carruthers joins me to talk about the Pat Day Mile. We get to race number 8. It's the Derby City Distaff with Sarah El Badwi. We did have a big scratch in that race, so I'll mention that again as we get uh, uh, closer to that one. Race number 9, we are going to hit on the American Turf, the Grade 2 American Turf for 3-year-olds going long on the turf course with Chris Larmy. And then race number 10, it's the Churchill Downs, the Grade 1 Sprint. Craig Milkowski joins me for that one. I'm going to finish up race 11, the Turf Classic, with Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali. We also talk a little bit about the Derby and the Oaks. I'll give you some final Derby thoughts on that portion, which will be uh, on the next episode. So on this one, you'll get races 1 through 10. Bunch of different guests to hang out with on our Kentucky Derby preview show presented by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter and then flip those notifications on because they go live basically every day giving you free handicapping previews, game previews, horse racing, standard bread stuff. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, basketball fan, hockey, uh NASCAR, all sorts of different things. Gamblers from all around the world at Better Than Vegas share their insight with you. They post their best bets. Everything's free at BTV. Just want to help you become a better better. Coming up soon, Louisiana Downs. In fact, Saturday, opening day at Louisiana Downs. I will have coverage, analysis, bets, bets, pick fours, all sorts of stuff for LAD. Every day that they're racing, I'm going to be helping out on the broadcast over there on the simulcast. Louisiana Downs going to be on That's What G Said for the coming months, and I have a, a Saturday Louisiana Downs preview for the card on an episode that'll be out too, so just check your uh, check your feeds for that one. Let's jump on into the Saturday undercard. Let's go to race number one at Churchill Downs. We're looking May the 7th. We're going to go on the dirt and the one-turn mile. Now, keep in mind the weather all weekend long. You'll just have to monitor that. It's hard when you know recording way ahead. I don't want to try to project too much and say, oh, these horses could be in, these horses could be out. You'll just have to look at the races, and if so, we'll have to call some audibles when, uh, you know, if surfaces are changed and if the, you know, the track conditions are are really, really different from what we might expect. Maiden special weights to kick things off. I'm going to go to the nine. Congressman in here who had a, a fast start was outside. Third was up to second, pressing swing shift. Was right up on even terms to challenge and then faded a little bit. I thought that was a good effort going seven furlongs back in January. Flavian jumps aboard for Pletcher. There's not a ton of speed in here. That's why I think Congressman should be forwardly placed and enjoy being up close early on. I'll use the nine. The 11 makes a lot of sense also if you're talking about any early exotics that you're going to get involved in. Second race is a first level allowance, optional 86 and a half furlongs. I liked Osborne in here getting Lasix for the first time. Going to be putting two starts together after that uh, seven furlong wet track stakes try when finishing third. Last time out was behind Surfer Dude. You'll cut back a little bit there. And uh, I think this is going to be a good spot for Osborne with a nice kind of positional 
maybe style where they can sit like third or fourth uh, mid pack and put them in striking range because maybe they'll be a little bit farther back in here because there does seem to be some good speed and I think that'll set up well for Osborne drawn to the outside turning back so eight four six for me in race number two third race mile and an eighth on the turf course won't even spend a whole lot of time on this one because I can't give you anything too crazy I just thought this was kind of a a logical race as far as the horses who I Thought were the most likely winners in here I'm looking at 6, 7, 8, final bell is probably Going to be pretty tough, I played talking book last Time out, wouldn't be shocked to see that Mare run a little bit better today Ready lady probably uh, in the mix too Tough to completely dismiss, so Different combinations of them for me But nothing too crazy or outside the box Let's get To race number 4 And I thought Mendenhall Made some really nice strides from career start one to career start two for a barn who does a little bit better with horses that have a race under their belt and have some experience. So I would not would not be shocked to see him continue to step forward. I'll use the eight all over the ten money supply with the blinkers on. Those are my top tier of horses underneath them, the six and the twelve. So again, nothing too crazy or pricey. That's why I didn't spend a whole heck of a lot of time on the early races. Not that you can't find a, a four or five to one shot, but. I, I didn't see any real big bust out bombs. Maybe we can get Osborne home and that can spice up some of the early exotics there on the Saturday undercard at Churchill Downs. Let's get into the stakes. First up, Angela Herman helping out with race number five. You know, Angela from up at Canterbury. So she talks the Distaff Turf Mile race number five. And then she gives us some of her thoughts on the Kentucky Oaks and the Derby. Every one of our guests. Gives us thoughts on the Oaks and the Derby. So you'll be able to get a, a really good idea from a, a lot of different good handicappers how they feel heading into the big races. It's time to get to race number five for Saturday. So we're looking at Churchill, May the 7th. We're going to talk about the Distaff Turf Mile. And joining me now, someone who you've heard on this show a few times, someone who I've talked about the races with many, many times through the years. And she's going to be uh, out at Canterbury as they open up, uh, what, just... Just in a few, like really soon, right? This week, this weekend. When's when's Canterbury opening up, Angela? We open May eighteenth. There so we go. We're Two weeks. Be opening. Yep, like a few weeks or a few days before the Preakness. There we go. Angela Herman joins me. So, what's your uh, what's the capacity that you have over at uh, at Canterbury now? We've seen you on camera before, but now you've transitioned <laughs> a little bit more to like uh, running the show behind the scenes, one of the head honchos over there, right? Oh man, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, I have worked there for 18 years and I've done a lot of different stuff, but head honcho has never been in my job description. Maybe honcho, definitely not head honcho. I'm, uh, I work in mutuals over there and I'm going to be working on the broadcast team this year with um, Kevin and Paul and Jeff Maday. Uh, Brian Aragoni has departed for Horseshoe, Indiana, and he's killing it over there. He's doing a great job. We miss him, but. We are going to try to fill those shoes with a couple of blasts from the past. That one's still going to take a while to stick, the Horseshoe Indiana. That was good. That was good that you said it the <laughs> correct way because I'm just – that's going to be like, oh, the the Commanders or, you know, some of these new team names that I'm like – Yes, the Guardians. Gar- the Guardians? Yeah. What? So, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, the it'll take a little Guardians. We'll just yeah, put them all together even though they're in Cleveland. Yeah, it'll take a little while to get those all uh, rolling off the tongue naturally <laughs> now – uh, before we get in, I didn't want to mention it to uh, our, our buddy Dave because uh, of what happened with the T-Wolves recently. But, like, did they catch something from the Vikings? <laughs> you know, that was sort of like a very Vikings way to exit the playoffs and some of their losses. It was, it was, it, it's, it's just it's, Minnesota sports. I, I mean, say, 
in the we, waters or had... something? Is it the rain and the weather? Or something? <laughs> it's a little too much lake water. I don't know. It. Uh, we had, I think, three of the four teams in like the NCAA Frozen Four a couple years back, and we lost. Like it's just, it's just a Minnesota <laughs> thing. To be a Minnesota sports fan is a struggle. It's been since 1991 since we've had any kind of uh, major male championship. The Lynx, of course, have held their own, but that's about it. Minnesota sports are a losing uh, proposition, but we just keep coming back for more. I'll give Dave a few more days to kind of relax, kind of get over it, let it, let it. You know, I don't, I didn't want it to be fresh in his mind before we we talked to, uh, too much about it. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait a few on that. But uh, Angela is here to join me and talk about the Distaff Turf Mile, the fifth race for Saturday. We'll also uh, pick her brain a little bit and uh, see if she's got any thoughts on the Oaks and on the Derby. So Grade Two Distaff Turf Mile, and you and I were talking a little bit before the race it's i mean honestly it's not that strong of a like a grade two race it sort of feels like um maybe like a grade three or sort of listed stakes and mainly because the the horse to beat is a horse that is a total wild card it's a connections play chad brown and pratt speak of the devil the horse ran really well in france previously but i mean this is the horse to beat and we don't know a whole heck of a lot about her right and she's paramutually speaking kind of useless in that sense because she's not even going to be two to one so uh, you just decide whether or not you want to single her in multi-race sequences or try to beat her that's about the only way that you can go about wagering on her i think but if she is ready boy i mean they couldn't have written up a better spot for her to make her u.s debut could they no, and like we said, it's just she's by far classier than the rest of this field. Space Blues, who we saw uh, was the the Breeders' Cup Mile winner, um, she's knocked heads with some nice, nice horses. You see Mother Earth in the running lines, also. It just always the wonder with a horse who hasn't run in this long. You're going to come from you know France to North America, and you're going to have a time off. But Chad Brown and Pratt, like if you're going to, te- if you're like drawing up connections for a horse in a race like this, that would be the connections right now. So speak of the devil from a talking point is the horse to at least start with, but not necessarily a fun horse from a, a gambling standpoint. And we're always trying to to find some, uh, some value if we can. So I guess kind of looking at the, the pace of this race, are we seeing my buddy in Italian uh, up front, the one to catch? <laughs> and then I was like, looking at this race, I was like, wait, we got in Italian. We've got Wakanaka who won races in Italy. I feel like I just keep getting slapped in the face with Italian references all throughout <laughs> this, uh, this race. Um, uh, but it, right. I know. I know. So in Italian is the, the probable pace, but I think there might be a couple others in here who may be a little sneakier quick, right? Mona Stella with, with Giroux, if they run in this race, I'd imagine they're going to want to be pretty close because their two best races came when they've been like right on the lead. Well, she and Lady Spites Bear are by far more effective when they're up front. I, mm-hmm. I don't see them rattling along. I don't think that anybody's a runoff that's going to go like sub 45 or anything like that. It could put an Italian in a good spot. But in watching those three all run, none of them rate kindly. So no. they might make it a little bit difficult on each other. I will say, going back to speak of the devil, we're talking about pace. We're talking about imports. Chad Brown with international imports is two for his last nine. The ROI is, of course, horrible. You lose money on it. Six of them ran second. So I'm hoping that maybe speak of the devil can fall into that pattern. I forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And because like, you know, you know, they're always going to get bet, 
right? They're yep. always going to get bet. So if you can find a way to beat them or somehow use them under, they're just long term. They're not smart plays on the win end. So uh, yeah, speak of the devil. Like we, I joked, Flavian Pratt might win a race this weekend uh, or seven million. <laughs> it seems like he has an opportunity to just say like, oh hey, by the way, everyone. Uh, I'm Flavian Pratt and I might be the best out here. You know, it, it, uh-huh. it might be that kind of weekend for him, even leading into Zandon, who's going to be one of the, the logical contenders in the Derby. So, so how are we seeing if, if these three are kind of at least keeping each other honest, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a couple other horses that may be coming off the pace. Who are some that you are looking towards? I'm interested in the two flower point. Yep. Just because she hasn't been a, a great two-turn horse her whole career. Of course, there was that giant gap from when she was a California horse to when she was a New York horse. But in bringing her back and going two turns on the turf, she's been pretty solid. I wouldn't say that she's anything that's going to scare off the head honchos of her division. But in this spot on this day with the race that she got in New York in, New York in April, I don't know. She just looks like a good fit from just off the pace. Rosario will be on her. Do you think we get eight to one though? I think that's a very fair price on her. I think six to one's a little bit more realistic though. I, I wrote six to one to store. She's my top, <laughs> she's my top pick in here too. Uh, I, I like her quite a bit. Just like if we dig into her last four races, let's use Shifty. She is just like a measuring stick. Shifty. She was the horse who was third in the Pegasus world cup, the Philly and mere turf. And you see in a couple of the other common rival running lines, like she beat Mona Stella. She finished in front of Wakanaka. And Flower Point had legitimate trouble in that day, was not far behind her. She came out of that race to win next time out. And then she didn't race from November to April. She showed back up in April and she ran exactly the type of race you would think for a horse in the first start in about five or six months. She ran it's a little bit short. The race shape wasn't fantastic for her. She was a little bit wider, which I, I didn't love. And the, the October 23rd race, that was legitimate trouble. Traffic early. She took up. She was last yep. on the inside. She lost a bunch of ground there. It was really, really not a beneficial trip. I like her quite a bit. Joelle fits her well. Yeah, five to one plus I'm fine with. I hope we don't get one of those things where the morning line was a little too high. So then you get the overreaction, you know, and everybody <laughs> yep. jumps on her. And then all of a sudden she's like seven to two. I wouldn't love to see that. But yeah, five to one plus she feels she checks so many boxes here, right? Saves the ground. She kind of fits with these from a class standpoint. She just doesn't have a lot of bad races. Right. And especially in these sorts of conditions. And if you do look at it as kind of a listed stake, a grade three, she fits in perfectly with that kind of company. And she might be one of the only true two-turn horses that excels with this kind of trip just off the pace in a, in a small field. Just, yeah, like you said, lots of boxes checked and she should get what she's looking for out of this race. I don't know if any of the pace horses are. And I don't know if this is the end game for speak of the devil rather than a jumping off point. That's a good point. And I think you hit on another one that I want to uh, elaborate on just a, a bit more. Some of the races this weekend don't always look at a race and go, Oh, grade one. And then look down and think that horses have to be sort of have been running well in grade ones to compete there. Every race and class is sort of different. Like you have to individually look at who they are, who they've been facing this race. You may look down at flower point and go, Oh yeah, maybe she's not really a graded stakes type. She stacks up really well. Just play that common rival game with shifty. She she's right there with that same horse. Who's been competitive with some of the others there. Uh, this is, this reminds me a little bit of the turf classic. That's uh that's later on in the card, which is a grade one that people sort of think of as like one of the better grass races of the year. That's not a grade one group. 
in the turf classic this year. It's not, and I'm not saying it's a bad race. It's a really good betting race. It's, it's going to be very contentious. I'm actually glad that it's wide open versus having one or two horses that would be maybe four to five and a short price, but it's not a grade one. So don't look at where some of these horses have come and immediately just dismiss them. That's a great point with uh with flower point. I, uh, I want to mention the five in here too, Wakanaka, who, okay, so Wakanaka actually means beautiful. I always like when they name horses something like this because I'm always like, they, they probably saved the good name for the good horse, right? I know it doesn't always work that way, but I know that if I've got the names in my arsenal of like, okay, you know, Milo was the, the good name for my kid, for example, you know, like that was the one that I've been saving. So uh, Unfortunately for my other couple of kids that come after, they're going to have the second and third and fourth best names, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) poor things. They don't even know yet. They don't even know yet. But uh, unfortunately for the future uh, offspring, Wakanawa, which means beautiful, is hoping to to have that type of an effort. She had a God, that was corny. That was really I don't even like that. I did that. Like I I, (laughs) as soon as I said it, I was like, you know, that was corny. You know, I I heard it. I heard myself saying it. That was that was pretty bad. That was. Uh I mean, do yeah. I do I elaborate on that? Has anyone nah. heard another episode of this show? Come on. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's not. It's everybody expects it, you know. But right sometimes I can catch myself, and I'm like, man, that was even a little too corny for me. And that's when it's that's when we know it, it's kind of crossing the line. So, um, Wakanaka's. Let's move on. I know. I the tangents there. So, uh, her two races in in North America are really not bad. She shows up in the Pegasus World Cup. She's in a race that's come back very live. We've already seen multiple next out winners. I just mentioned Shifty She, Regal Glory, who won that race. She was a Group 3 winner in Italy, and she performed very well uh, over there. And her start on March the 5th really wasn't bad. She did have some trouble. She kind of got she was backed up a little bit. She was about fifth, six. She was in the two path and she got caught in between horses. She lost a few lengths. Once she split horses, she angled back around and it was a, a pretty nice second. She was chasing an Italian who was blown speed that day. And if the pace is a little more honest, she might have a better opportunity to run them down. So I, I'll probably use two and five. And I do want to give lady Spatespear a little bit. I think of the speed horses, I feel like she may have the best shot. If anyone can just kind of fall into the trip, I don't know if she wants to rate, but maybe she can just sort of like sit just off, win the battle and maybe get the jump on some of the others. But I, I'm not really as much of a fan of those three that I think will be forwardly placed in here. And I lean towards an Italian uh, in talking to somebody who was at Gulfstream that day. They weren't really blown away by the honey Fox, but she was just best on that day. I think Wakanaka got into the picture when the race was already over. Not sure that Ortiz still had his foot to the floor on in Italian. And she could be the one to upset her stablemate. I mean, I think that she's done enough to merit a shot in the, in here. She's fresh. She will get the outside positioning. I like that as opposed to Lady Spite Spear, who seems kind of like a quirky sort. You know, you see uh, the goggles that she wears. And she's going to be in between horses, maybe. And this might just be something and, for her to do until she goes back to Woodbine. That's and I don't even like know how race. good those Bleecker Street races are. I mean, we'll see. But, like, there's something about Bleecker Street that I'm not that's <laughs> sold on. I think those connections of that horse aren't uh, – we're sort of surprised that the horse kind of keeps winning and keeps getting these good setups. So I'm not – sure. yeah, I'm a little colder on Lady Spatespear than, than some of the other tops. But of the speeds, I don't mind her we're both sort of leaning towards uh, the two as maybe the the fun horse to bet. If you're looking for a horse to bet, to win in this race or to play a, against the, the horse to the outside, I'm thinking if we get, you know, five to one plus it's the two in here. 
I completely agree. And I want your thoughts on putting blinkers onto a five-year-old for the first time, just without any other recourse with abscond before. I know. I know. I, I, she always gets a piece. I'm going to use her underneath, and I don't think she'll be 20 to 1. But she just, the blinkers seem like a, throwing their hands up, what do we do? Because she's run second and third nine times, and she hasn't won since 2019. I want to know what you're going to do with her. It's, you know, they're going through the, like, we tried that. That didn't work. We tried that. No, we tried that. You know, it's like every little tweak because she's not far off. Right. So they're just they're hoping that some little thing that they can do, some little adjustment will put her over the top. She was beaten only three quarters of a length in this race last year. Right. You know, and so always there. Yeah, I I would completely use her in underneath spots. Absolutely. If you're if you're someone who maybe likes the chalk and you want to play that one on top of others or if you just want to spread out a little bit, try to beat that horse and maybe play exotics. Uh, Epscon would be one that I, if you know, on spread tickets, I would use, and I wouldn't even have a problem using in, in pick fours and pick fives and uh, and early exotics too. If you wanted to to get it a real chance for some value, anything else right, about yeah. this race to mention, Rob? Before we uh, get to the big main events, <laughs> uh, no, I think we've covered everybody, and I think that uh, it's pretty well mapped out. Three speed horses that aren't going to go too quick, and if Chad Brown says the eight's a slam dunk, well, she might win by a pole. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right, and. Uh, Good. I, I like Flavian a lot. I'm I'm glad to see him getting this opportunity because just watched him in Southern California and just dominate, dominate, and do all the things that you want as a as a better when you back mm-hmm. someone. Just make the right moves, put your horse in the right spot all the time, get aggressive, which is one thing that's really lost in this era of racing. There's so few jockeys that really get aggressive, and especially in a race like this, a grass race. So we'll see right. what the plan is for Pratt. With a, a very live one there for Chad Brown. But we move to the big ones for this weekend. Angela, what a cool group of fillies we have in the Oaks this year, huh? I mean, I, if you told me one of four or five that you like that ended up winning this race impressively, it wouldn't shock me. Quality all over. Kind of feels like this is what races like the Oaks, the Derby, the Breeders' Cup are kind of meant for. You've got the horses that all dominated their little local contingents and now they come together and you see who's the best right and not a ton of notable defections we've been we've been able to follow this group for quite a while too and that really helps in forming opinions and getting good value on maybe some horses that have cooled off since their two-year-old year but we don't have a bunch of one and two star horses you got one coming over from dubai and there's just a lot of good different elements to make it a very fun race okay so there's kind of like a top tier i'd say of four with uh, with Secret Oath, Nest, with Echo Zulu, and Kathleen O. Of those, do you sort of feel that that you know those are the four? And if you're playing this race exotically, are you looking to attack one or two of them? Are you against one or two? Just sort of give us your uh, your quick overall Oaks thoughts. <laughs> I am hoping that Secret Oath can stay somewhere above three to one. I'm I'm just looking to play a horse to win in here. I don't think that. I don't think that there's going to be anybody who's too, too low to where they're at unfair odds on the board, but her and hidden connection are the ones that I'm going to try to key on top. Uh, I'm trying to beat Nest because Nest is so talented. I think five to two is a bit underlaid for where they should be. Cause I don't think that any of these are too far ahead of each other. Yep. So if she drifts up a little bit too, she wouldn't be horrible value at seven to two, but I just don't know if she'll get there. So I'm going to be watching the board in this race more than a lot of them because I don't think anybody is really a standout. And I think that their odds should reflect that regardless of who you bet to win. You I'm hoping like, it's secret. Oath. 
and you feel like there's someone's going to sort of get forgotten about, right? Like one of them. Yeah. And some, and there's going to be a couple that float up and they're just going to be way too high, way higher than they should be. Hidden connection is one that really is trending in the right direction. It just is, is kind of, I think a little under the radar too, and a, a nice horse to use in some exotics. So I'm um, glad you mentioned hidden connection. And I feel the same way with secret oath. I just thought like if she didn't run in the, the Arkansas Derby against the boys where she to be kind, had a, a bad ride and didn't have a great trip. <laughs> um, she, if she didn't run there and she runs against the Phillies again and beats them, she's just a favorite in here. Yeah. It, absolutely. So I, I just don't, like you said, it, it feels like there should be three or four horses that are around seven to two, not one that's five to two, another that's six to one. I just, and if, if the board reflects that way, then secret oath would be the, uh, would be the, the horse to attack and the, and the value for me with the Phillies. Right. If, if she is six to one, I will eat these AirPods and put all the money in my wallet on her. That's probably not going to happen, but it's a very hopeful morning line. Same thing with hidden connection. Why should a horse be 20 to one that was a nose behind a horse that's four to one on the morning line? Doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me, but I think the board will reflect that. Hidden connection can kind of sit a little bit too. She's kind of, you can track a, a little bit off. Like I wouldn't be worried about her being a bit wide and yeah, mm-hmm. um, hidden connection and the inside secret oath. As a couple horses for uh, Angela to use in the exotics and in the Oaks. What about the Derby? We head on over. We've got Zandin installed as your lukewarm morning line favorite. We've got Epicenter, who's going to take a lot of money. The Santa Anita Derby horses will probably get a lot of backing and support also with Messier and with Taiba. And they left the Baffert barn. Now they're in the Yakteen barn. So there's been a lot going on uh, in that department. Who are you looking towards anyone that you love anyone that you don't like give us some of your derby thoughts (laughs) i'm not going to be playing the derby that hard because i have a future bet on zandon so oh that's great uh, (laughs) you're in you're in a perfect spot now yes exactly i kind of have my ticket for the derby him and zozos both of them owned by minnesota connections are the ones that i've bet in the future i don't toss zozos he has a lot of improving to do i get that but he he drew fine in here. He does have three starts now under his belt. And he has enough speed to extricate himself from that 19 post. I wasn't thrilled with it. But given that he's drawn to the outside of the rest of the speed, Manny Franco does have options in where to put this horse. And I think that he could surprise sometime or somewhere in the top four. I don't know if he can beat Zandon at this point in their careers going a mile and a quarter. But Zozo certainly has the tools to be a really, really nice horse this year. And maybe this is just kind of his coming out because I don't think many people taken or have taken the Louisiana Derby as a, a really strong prep other than Epicenter. They've put Epicenter at the forefront and kind of forgotten about everybody behind him. But Zozos wasn't beat that far, and it was only his third lifetime start. So I would use him definitely along with Sandon. He is one that I've been kind of warming, uh, coming to life a little bit more on too in the coming in the, in the most recent days, and he'll he'll be on. For sure, some of my pick fours and pick fives to close it out because there's some upside there. And if you're playing exact as tries and supers, absolutely Zozos because he said he's going to be forwardly placed with the draw. They're going to to get him in the race early on. Hopefully that keeps him out of trouble. And now he doesn't have to worry about a lot of kickback that some of the others will have. He kind of keeps him in the clear and like breeding wise, pedigree wise. Like there's a lot I like about him. And and if even if it's not here, which I, I agree with you. I don't think you dismiss him completely. Keep an eye on him down the line because where he shows back up, he's going to be really good in the second half of the season. Yes. Yeah. He is not just a horse for Saturday, but a horse for down the line. And I don't know if he's going to get knocked out by this because he doesn't have all those miles on the tires, but 
I think that Zandon wants all of the mile and a quarter. I don't think that he's a one-trick pony either. I don't think that he necessarily has to be trailing the field. That's just where he's ended up. But uh, he has a lot of the tools, I think, to be a derby winner. And I'm probably going to play a little bit lighter than I normally would in this race, but certainly diving more into the undercard because it is a really cool set of races leading up to it. Well, you're in some trouble because we did a a fantasy horse racing draft last night on social media, which was a a good call. (laughs) My buddy, Matt DeSantis said, Hey, we'll get four of us together and we'll just do it. Like we would do a fantasy draft and we'll just pick the 20 horses. So everyone will have five and and we'll, you know, we'll create a little scoring system and have some fun with it. So I, I, I had first overall pick and I picked Zandon number one. I, in, I feel the safest about him just running a good race. And and yep. maybe he gets into a little bit of trouble or maybe he's a little farther back and, and runs second or third. But of all of the top tier horses, I'm just the most confident that he's going to show up with a good effort. Is it good enough to win? I don't know. But I do think we're going to get that late rally from him. I don't think a little bit of trouble would be all that that impactful for him as maybe some of these like speed horses or pressers, if they get shuffled back, or if they get caught five lengths behind and they've never been more than a length off, what's it going to be like for them? Yeah. And he's, he got a lot more out of the bluegrass than I feel just about anybody got out of their prep leading into this ran between horses. He can be steered wherever prep wants to go. And if a hole opens up, he can get there in a heartbeat. There's just so much to like about him. So even if he has to tow you, me and Flavian Pratt, Mm-hmm. I still think that he yeah. can get the job done. I know. I was gonna say he'll be pulling some weight with the with me lately. I've been doing a lot of podcasting, <laughs> so I sit, I sit and I eat quite a bit. And I think you know that I don't eat a lot, but the things that I eat, I eat a lot of, and they're not healthy at all. They're well, just bread, not bread, cheese, and chalk. I guess different combinations right of cheese and bread. And unfortunately, <laughs> now I've sort of passed it along to my son, so I have to do the thing where I can't bring the cheese fries or the bacon out until he's eaten the other stuff. Cause once he gets a look at the bacon out there, bacon, 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 he just screams (laughs) for the bacon. And then he, he says it backwards, fries, cheese, fries, cheese. I try to tell him it's cheese fries, son. You you know, if you're going to say it, say it right, please. Milo, come on now. Fries, cheese, fries, cheese. Him as your child. Not, not at all. I was going to say he, when I try to tell his mom, no, we didn't have anything. And he's coming back saying fries, cheese, or he'll say the, his favorite is two cookies, please. Uh, it's like, he doesn't ask for one. You know, most people will come and ask for one. He asks for two. He doesn't, which I guess I like. It's like he, he's coming up at least telling you he wants two, not one. So, but two cookies, please. So, uh, you your child would cut to the chase. That's I know, un- right? but I, I appreciate that. And, uh, Angela, I always appreciate you taking a few minutes to come hang out with me. Uh, we've, we've talked so many races through the years and it's, uh, uh conversations we've had, I, thousands of times just like looking at cards throughout and uh i'm gonna be excited to, to see you a little bit more at canterbury so you said you're gonna be doing uh more on the broadcast again this year mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna have a, a good team and we're gonna be doing a few different things we have a new look in our studio so tune in may 18th and uh see what we have going on because it's gonna be a fun fun summer I hope that you can come and join a, a little bit more during the season and I'll try to talk to you over the summer. We got good racing coming up. So I'd like some of your uh, listeners to make money and I'll help them do it. 
Absolutely. We'll bring you back. They have a lot of really good big days, like a lot of good stakes action up at Canterbury. And like we know, we always love dump, uh, diving into those uh, low takeout exotics. That's that's what we we scream and we complain and we whine as horse players. <laughs> and so now when the when the tracks give them to it, we got to go jump on in and we got to dive in. So we'll uh, we'll take a look up at Canterbury in just a few weeks. We'll bring Angela back on to help us uh, talk about some of those races. Thank you so much, Angela. I hope you have an, uh, an awesome rest of your week. Good luck. Cash that future on Zandin, and uh, I hope you crush it on the undercard. Well, same to you, and thank you for having me on. It's always great to talk to you, Gino. We'll be uh, bringing Angela back on again real soon to talk Canterbury. Don't go anywhere, folks. We have a lot more to jump into on the Saturday undercard as we continue along. Up next, it's race number six on Saturday at Churchill Downs. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com always fun catching up with angela and we we saw that race pretty similar flower point as a a use for both i thought wakanaka was also going to be a a use for me i'm two five and eight in all exotics Uh, i've got six and then seven in a tier below them i just think those uh those speed horses all might kind of be a a nuisance to one another so i stacked them two five and eight in race number five at churchill we're going to move on and talk to Jessica Paquette next. So for race number six, it's our friend Jessica. We uh, got the 
Got the pleasure of hanging out with Jessica out at Sam Houston this year for the first time. Never had met her in person, but she's been very, very kind and sharing lots of her time with us through the years, coming on here and helping us handicap races. So we had to uh, we had to give Jessica a call again on a big day to talk the Knicks Go Overnight Stakes, race number six, coming up with Jessica Paquette. Continuing along on the Saturday Kentucky Derby undercard, we are up to a, a really cool race. It's a it's a new race. It's the Knicks Go Overnight Stakes, but honestly, it's as good as some of the graded stakes races you're going to see on the cards all weekend long. Joining us is a friend of the show. I feel like I can actually call you a friend now that I've seen you in person, right? Is that the is that like the like one time in person? I feel like it, I can actually call you a little bit more of a friend because we were sort of social media friends for a while or talked on TVG or here and there. Jessica Paquette joins me to talk about this race and to talk a little Oaks and Derby. How you doing, Jess? I'm great, you know. Yeah, I think we're real life friends now, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we jammed out in my car to all sorts of music. Yeah, we're, we're you heard real me friends. sing Alanis, like that's like yeah, you know, like I was it's rocking a out. Moment. Yeah, so that was it was it was one of those we we had the scene from like Tommy Boy where it's like you want to change it? No, I'm okay with it if you are. No, we're good. And then two seconds in, I went, oh, you already won me <laughs> over, and we're just laughing. So, um, Jessica, before we get into talking about this race, I'm always curious at, uh, as to what you've got going on. You've been so busy over the last couple of years, Sam Houston, Colonial. I know you do a lot of stuff uh, with horses off track, too. So what does uh, the next you know week look like for you? What kind of derby oak stuff do you have? And then what are the next uh, couple months coming up look like for you? I will be spending Kentucky Derby Day running a half marathon and then riding my off-the-track thoroughbred. So a fun day. Then I'll enjoy the races from nice. home here in Massachusetts. Getting ready to go down to Colonial in July. And before that, Sam Houston for Belmont weekend. I'm going to fill in for Nick as the announcer for the quarter horses. Yes, you'll be calling the races again this weekend. So you've you've done that a few different times now where you've stepped in for a couple races here and there. And uh, now it's uh, now it's going to be go time for you. It's go time. Go fast like the quarter horses do. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear you out there doing uh, doing the uh, the work, calling the races. Jess on the mic there, coming soon to Sam Houston in just about five weeks. So we'll have to talk with you again before that weekend a little bit and uh, and uh, and and hear the excitement in your voice. But what a what a cool week for us, right? Horse racing peeps, like all all of these. It's Christmas. It's it like is. no matter how cynical and grouchy we all can be at times, you can't not get excited about this. This is it, and in the two big races that we're going to talk about, they both came up really, really good field, strong, knock on wood so far. We haven't had all that many major defections or anything yet, you know, recording just three or and four days And I haven't heard out. any weird rumors yet either. Yeah, no, me neither. There's always like, oh, that horse is not good, and you know they're coming out or there's something, but I haven't heard any of that knock on wood. The Phillies, I might be equally Best as excited Oaks. for the Phillies. Oh. Best Oaks field that I can remember. It's so good. So strong, so deep. Just can't wait to dive into those. So we're gonna get a, a pick and a thought from you on the Oaks and the Derby in just a minute. But we're rolling on through the card. And I thought this race was really cool. The sixth race that we're gonna talk about on Saturday at Churchill. It's a it's a one turn mile on the dirt, and you've got a lot of these older horses. It's for four year olds and up, which have not won a graded stakes in 2021-2022. So you get horses that We've seen, we know that have been in really good races through the years. It's just a group of really cool, like four, five, and six year olds that were like, "Oh, I remember that horse!" Or, "Oh, wow, they ran a big race there!" And they're all kind of in this group. It's it's really fun. 
This is a really fun, fun race. And when you assigned this one to me, I mean, you, this is one of the tougher races on the card for sure. As a public handicapper, I will never advise um, hitting the all button, but this is a tough group. I wrote down like in the, so I, we all do our handicapping process a little bit different, but I'll always like start. I'll make my like first run through. Like my first run through was like, uh, Seven, four, eight, two, five, nine, eleven, six. Just like all horses that I was using. I was like, oh, you know, I guess I've got a lot of them marked down as horses I'm using here. <laughs> well, I think you can make a legitimate case for so many of these horses. And to me, this is the kind of race that really might be poised for kind of an upset win. Um, so let, let's talk about some of the horses who you might uh, might fancy in here. Who who are ones that you're looking at going, okay, if I'm playing pick threes, pick fours, or if I'm betting this horse, uh, betting a couple to win or an exacta, uh, this horse is definitely going to be in the mix for me. Gun it. I like gun it. Gun it. I mean, and you know, maybe the morning line's a little suspect, but 10 to one on gun it. I will take all day. Um, he's been quietly consistent. Yeah. You know, Steve Asmussen, super live. And this horse just has all the makings of a little bit of an upset contender. He also has a really strong record at Churchill gets over and off track pretty well too. Cause you don't know what the weather is going to do at this point down there. He feels really like under the radar too Because he's not quite as like sexy as maybe You're like oh you know Dream Shake's kind of cool He's lightly raced or uh, maybe Shared Sense Comes off of winning a, a big figure But Gunnett is really consistent He's multiple graded stakes placed Like you said he ran well at Churchill He's going to go third start off the long long layoff His race was kind of sneaky He was down on the inside And he was chasing a winner Who ended up just winning a pace duel And kicking on So there was like, no passing going on he checks a lot of boxes for me in here. He's like a, a must use in exotics. Absolutely. No question. Um, this is also, I have a wacky long shot here as well. I like perfect Spidey at a big price. This seems like the horse. I don't know if he's good enough to win. I don't know if he's a stakes horse at all, but I think he can get in your exotics and kind of ruin everything for you. He just has that, that kind of makings to me. And I also will never discount Johnny V on a big price. And Dallas Stewart, right? This would yeah, be yeah, right. Like this, this horse is going to finish fourth. Like he's going to blow the, up everyone's superfecta. No it question. Totally fits the bill, right? To to be that type of horse, and he looks like the one turn mile in the dirt would actually fit him pretty well in here too. That's a a nice one. Yeah, again, little things second, like oh, this is only his second time on conventional dirt. I mean, he's run primarily on synthetics and turf. Um, I do have a third, little bit of a bone to pick with Fipke naming his horses the way he does because I, I do cannot too, because keep, I just I did it earlier. I did it yesterday and Andrew, Andrew Champagne had to stop me because I was doing it with Cheryl Spate. I kept saying her and she and he's like, no, sides. he was like, oh, my God. Like, no. And I know that this one is a full sibling to another one. Like it's like it, they're just they're all related and they all have the same name. But maybe this one will be a stakes horse. I have a feeling they're just like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, yeah. He's, right? getting, just like, he's wa- getting such a kick out of this. Watching all of us just struggle like on the struggle bus trying to figure it all out so uh, uh <laughs> at, at at churchill downs in race number six we've got a really cool nicks go we both are going to be in on gun it a little bit perfect spidey as a uh, a bust out long shot for jess uh, i mean you can p- take your pick in here but the one thing that we'll both recommend is if it is a race that you think is a little bit wide open we'll get, get a little creative you know if you think you can make a case for five or six pick one of the pricier ones you know, do and, it and go that go in that direction. No knocks on Dream Shake or a horse like Shared Sense. They would be obvious. South Bend is one that I'll probably be including in some spots. And if anyone can maybe steal this race, it, it would be a horse like Injunction. Cool. Sixth race at Churchill on the Saturday undercard. It's the Knicks go. And uh, we'll try to get gun it home at uh yeah, anything eight, ten to one ish. That would be a really nice price 
on Gunnit. Okay, Jess, let's talk. Uh, let's talk the big main events this week. Let's talk about the Oaks. We, you know, we mentioned what a quality group of Phillies, but you got heavy hitters from all over the place. Yeah, all of these Phillies have been so good through their preps. They've carried their form. Their, I think the the one thing I just thought, and I know a lot of people were uh, critiquing the the morning line, and the only thing that I would have said is that yeah, I did think that you know three or four of these looked pretty. Pretty evenly matched and just really good I I didn't know if there was going to be all that much separation Between them on the board I know I think there's a real uh, Gap between the the top group And then the other Phillies right Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But that top group is so Exciting I mean Who knows how good any of them really are At this point too Um, It's just it's a fascinating group Really really nice so like I think that top four Will probably end up being Secret Oath Who faced the boys last time out Nest who's the lukewarm morning line favorite and You've got Echo Zulu who so funny like, So few people are talking about her And she's, she's just undefeated she's, I know yeah. right she's just undefeated And your Breeders Cup Juvenile Phillies winner from last year Getting and no respect and you like oh hey hey race. like I'm here I'm here you know I, I've still never lost and then you got Kathleen O who's just been a little flashier So uh, that's just the, the I think you hit it. I can't remember a top heavy hitters list in the Oaks quite like this. Do you have a preference in any one of them that you'd lean? I think Kathleen O is probably the most special of them. Um, I think Echo Zulu really could surprise though. I love I watched her last race and she just looked like a horse who was playing around the entire time. I think she almost got caught sleeping. It wasn't that she was short. It wasn't that she didn't progress from two to three. I think she got a pretty easy uncontested lead and you could see her ears just kind of flopping around. She wasn't paying attention to anything. And that's how Hidden Connection almost caught her. I am rooting for Hidden Connection. I'm obviously a good company woman. She broke her maiden at Colonial Downs, a really impressive filly. I loved her last race. I thought it was a good step forward. I do have one concern about her and I've kind of maintained this since her debut. I think she's a one-turn miler. Um, I don't know how far she really does want to go. So I'm using Echo Zulu, Kathleen O, a little bit, you know, a little chalky here, but I'll throw hidden connection to my exotics too. That is in what's going to be a fantastic renewal of the Kentucky Oaks. Let's talk about the boys in the Derby. So Zandin Epicenter, they look like the two that'll take the, the most of the money. And you kind of have the the Santa Anita horses that you, you, maybe you'll be in your next tier, the, uh, the former Bafferts, now Yak teams. So those are the top, here i guess from the betting standpoint uh, do you have a, a strong opinion in here or a couple that I, you might be using i have some very strong opinions in here um so he was not on my initial group of horses that i was planning on wagering on but crown pride to me is the most interesting horse all week uh there's been a lot of talk about how he's been warming up he kind of goes back to basic like he looks like a show horse it's called dressage it's basic flat work And the foundation that he has from that makes him a different sort of athlete than his rivals. We see some of these horses, especially doing a mile and a quarter for the first time, they switch their their right lead and they get tired. Um, And it's because they don't have balance to a certain extent because they're primarily racing on their left lead as they gallop. Um, You know, the horses turn left uh, in the morning. So it's they usually have a stronger lead and that is their left lead. So for a horse with this kind of dressage background, he's more balanced. He's going to be stronger when he switches to his right lead. And I think that works to his favor. He is really, really starting to like. But warm I think everyone's up. wise to him, and we're gonna get like nine to two. On yeah, it. like we're we're all starting to right, like why like warm up. But it's gonna happen with what we've seen the the Japanese horsemen and just the horse racing industry over there. They are incredibly smart. 
They've been playing chess while we've been all playing checkers Absolutely Mm -hmm. They've been thinking long term They've been going from the ground up They've been building through the the breeds These horses are a little bit different than your normal horses That might come in from the UAE Derby Because they're bred to love American racing And to keep up with it from a, a speed standpoint But they have more, way more stamina And just like stronger breeding And that I've said this a few different times In the conversations that I had It may not be this horse Crown pride But in the It's coming soon One of these Japanese yeah. horses is going to win this race soon And when it does I think it'll be really good for the industry overall And it'll be a good kick in the butt For the American breeding industry To be like hey we maybe need to change some things a little bit you Stop know? breeding unsound sprinters maybe And then right? They've been focused on these long distance Stamina infused dirt pedigrees And they're being rewarded with Kind of just a more quality thoroughbred. They've been improving the breed rather than breeding to sell, which is something that I think we fall victim to a little bit. This isn't as if you've been, like you said, if you've been paying attention, this didn't happen overnight. This, this, they've been playing the long game. They've been, we, how many of our major sires or big stallions end up, or big broodmares, broodmares go, going over there. And you look back and you're like, wow, where did they go? Oh my gosh. And you see these horses run. It's been an incredible year. On the main international stage In the Breeders' Cup uh, Dubai And it would be fitting To see this horse run a really big race On Saturday Yeah, I think think he'll run his race I don't know if he's good enough to win This is a tough group Another horse I do also really like And again, Homer I'll admit it But Barber Road I actually loved that last workout from him The one that people were kind of you know, one way or the other about on social media. I mean, everyone's going to be an armchair quarterback at this point. Everybody, sure. you mean everyone's not a, a workout expert? You shock it, but they right? are this week. <laughs> um, I think Johnny Ortiz is a very smart horseman, and I liked what he tried getting out of Barber Road in that workout. Um, this is a horse who does seem to get himself in a little bit of trouble because he doesn't really quicken in the stretch. He doesn't have a sharp turn of foot. He has a ton of stamina and he kind of plugs along and he gets there. But I think the intent from that workout was to get him to pick up his feet a little bit more at the end to make him understand that this is when you, you quick it. And I think they got that. I, I've been saying all season that this horse is due for a big win and maybe he'll get the biggest one of all. The coolest thing though, is seeing fresh faces in this year's Derby. Um, you know, we've, we've all gotten a little tired of some of the same folks winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to see, uh, you know, someone young and enthusiastic like John Ortiz and Raylu Gutierrez aboard this horse. This is, you know, young, new blood in the sport. And this is a horse who wall a lot of the horses that have Shown speed or have been pressers And gotten pretty cozy trips along the way All of a sudden They're going to be in some traffic They're going to be 5, 8, 10, 12 lengths behind In situations where they haven't been This guy's been in most Situations by now He's encountered a lot of traffic He's been in some big fields He's had to overcome some things He's he's done different things And what I like is Everything you throw at him He makes the best of it and runs really well And sometimes it might be good enough for a second, third, whatever it is But those are the kind of horses that I like That have encountered some stuff Where, yeah, you know I mean, Taiba, we don't know what he is We don't know what all. he's going to do if he gets I mean, even sees the crowds at Churchill Downs Is the thing I, I find most alarming of a horse With only two starts And it's yeah. not like Santa Anita was packed on either of his his wins No, and the work There was a work that wasn't all that great There have been a little bit of, of weirdness um, With him too coming there's in There's a lot I, of weirdness with all that, that situation, <laughs> I was going to say, that situation We were we were talking with uh, with Matt um, 
uh, DeSantis and said, okay, so like, like the guarantee that one of the, the Yak Teens horses is going to win just because that would be yeah, such a conversation I mean, point, right? Of course, that's, of course, that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm looking elsewhere, but... But it would be Tim Yachtin's first Derby win, so that is right? a new face as well. I guess I, I don't. I in know. a weird way, just feel bad for him, you know, yeah. because it's like he. This is cool for him to get this opportunity and stuff, and he's been a very good horseman. But and you're always going to get asked so much about that situation, right? It's. It, but who who wouldn't say, yeah, I I, I don't want to take these horses right now. Of course, I'm going to take these horses and, and go have a chance to win the Kentucky Derby. Like, I, I mean, and he yeah. seems to have taken most of Bob's help with him too. So yeah. Yeah, it it shouldn't be that much different for these horses. Their routines Correct. shouldn't be. Um, Barber Road could blow up the board. That would be a lot of fun. And uh, I will be at the very least uh, using Barber Road underneath. I think you have to. I, to me, if you any kind of exotics you play, this is the type of two, three, four horses you're looking for in the Derby. Major prices like this that could get you a huge trifecta or a super. And he. I, he will be on a pick four or pick five of mine too Because it's always interesting when horses are unlucky Just like you said One day it maybe is Oh, it's his day on the biggest day That'd be cool These are, are also the horses you get a little suckered into That he'll, you know, he'll run like a troubled third or fourth in, in the derby And then I'll be all in on him in the Belmont I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he, he strikes me as that kind of horse That I might chase all summer as well But that's okay Let's try to win the derby Why not? And uh, Barbara Rowe did a great job out at yeah, Colonial. Uh, shout out to uh, to Colonial. We uh, we see some Colonial influence this year in the Oaks in the Derby. We're gonna see Jessica out at Colonial again in uh, just a couple months. We're already getting into the uh, uh, right close to the summer season here. Jess, I'm glad that you don't have to do too much craziness this week. You get to do the, the kind of things that you'd like. You get to go run your uh, you get to go run a race. You get to hang out with the horses and then go kick back and enjoy uh, enjoy the Derby and the uh, and the Oaks in your weekend. That sounds great. I'll be in sweatpants, not a fancy hat. Exactly. That's what's so nice about me being a podcaster. Basketball <laughs> shorts all the time. You know, uh, it's so nice and so great for me. Uh, Jess, I, I look forward to the next time we get to uh, cross paths again in person. But until then, I'll uh, I'll keep annoying you uh, via messages and uh, bringing you on here to, to talk Skype with me. Thanks, Gino. Happy Derby, everyone. Good luck to Jessica Paquette this weekend. Make sure to give her a follow on Twitter at JM Paquette. She does a great job on there. A lot of fun to follow. And uh, obviously, every time you hear her, she's just full of knowledge. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to continue rolling along this Saturday Kentucky Derby card. Wide, wide open race, especially if you don't like shared sense, right? Or if you just think that maybe shared sense isn't going to run back to that big figure last time out. So I thought South Bend was a must use in there. We mentioned Gun It uh, with with Jessica. So Gun It's going to be in in my exotics with South Bend with Dream Shake 4 5 7 in most um injunction I'll have in in some spots also. And then if you're playing underneath, I wouldn't completely dismiss Shared Sense. I'd be okay with trying to to beat them maybe if you're playing pick, you know, any kind of rolling multi uh, race exotics there. Other horses, if you want a little deeper, Frosted Grace could be forwardly placed. Nothing really wrong with what uh, the 11 Necker Island has been doing as of late. The Knicks go overnight stakes, race number six at Churchill on Saturday. We're going to get to race number seven, the Pat Day Mile, in just a second. But first, we have to talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava. If you need anything in the world of real estate, you have to contact Cindy Carava. That name probably sounds familiar. She's the wife of former trainer Jack Carava, who now is a jockey agent. Cindy is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. I've known her for over a decade now. She's going to make your life so much easier. She can help you out with buying 
with selling, with leasing. She can connect you with the right type of vendors. If you're just looking for home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, maybe you need help with a loan, she'll connect you with the right type of lenders that are going to expedite that process for you. They're going to make your life a lot easier there. That's what she wants to do. She wants to make things easier on you. She knows all of the little details that may go uh, just over your head or something that you might forget. She's going to take care of that. Contact Cindy Carava, the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. You can see her listings on there. You can find out uh, all about her on Yelp and Zillow. CindyCarava.com. Let's get to race number seven. We've got Ren Carruthers coming up to help us out with the Pat Day Mile, one-turn mile. Really nice race, a grade two for a lot of horses that maybe just couldn't qualify for the Derby. Maybe they didn't want to go a mile and a quarter or quite that far This is a a spot where a lot of them land and a lot of really, really nice horses in the grade two Pat Day Mile. Anytime there's something big happening in the the racing world, big racing cards, we're going to try to enlist the services of one of the best out there, Ren Carruthers. She's had another fantastic uh, meet over at Tampa. She's finishing up there. You see Ren all over social media doing stuff for Breeders' Cup. She's going to be out in uh, Kentucky this weekend at a bunch of different events. And uh, and Matt Carruthers, you all know her husband, good friend of mine, uh, both good friends of mine who I worked with at TVG uh, for many years. Ren, it's always so nice to catch up with you again. How you doing today? Okay, well, I'm doing really great now. I mean, I got my hair all done, so I- I'm feeling fresh and awesome. ready to rock and roll uh, from that perspective. But that intro you just gave me, that just put it over the top for, for today in terms of it being a great day. Awesome. Well, <laughs> we we love to get geeky and nerdy and talk right. about these races and dive on in. And we've got a really cool race to talk about on Saturday. We're uh, We're heading through the undercard and we're just a few races away from the Derby. So anyone that wants to follow along with us, we're going to be looking at the Pat Day Mile. And it's uh, it's a really cool race in the way it's shaped up over the last few years because it ends up being a race for a lot of good horses that maybe just weren't quite good enough to qualify for the Derby or maybe they didn't really want to go that long or for whatever reason, this ends up being a better spot for them. So it always comes up a really fun, contentious, deep race where you have all these cool three-year-olds who are probably much better suited for a mile than they would have been for the mile and a quarter. Oh, definitely. And can I just say off the top, though, anything named the Pat Day should be a grade one. I agree. I think think we're going to get here with this one soon enough. I think we will. Hopefully we do. Hopefully we do. Uh, Because, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great fun race restricted to the three year olds, as you were saying, who uh, in some cases didn't want to go the mile core in the derby, but they have that grade one quality about them. Um, or, or basically that's just more in their wheelhouse. Maybe they could get a mile and a quarter at a, you know, lesser degree or when they're older. Uh, but yeah, this looks like a, I mean, yes, there is Jack Christopher, but we do have the question mark there with this now being the first start of his three-year-old season and coming back from having, um, had an injury, not a crazy serious injury, mind you, but still. Something that cost him, you know, from October all the way to, to showing up now in early May. Cost him having to skip the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, where he probably would have been favored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's from you know from a talking standpoint, he's the fresh horse. He's the horse who huh? will probably take a lot of money in here. But we see this is not going to be an easy race because there are no. a, a lot of nice fit horses who have been maybe tackling tough and are gonna. 
I don't want to say drop back down in here because it's not like this is a soft spot, right. but just kind of <laughs> cut back and maybe like we say get in a spot that fits a little bit better. So who are a couple of the horses that you, you know you're gonna want to use in exotics or at least start the talking with? Well, I think Papa Cat for sure and Doppelganger. I mean, I don't think that's gonna surprise anybody. I think those are probably the horses that are on a lot of people's uh, upset list. Um, or at least trying to pad in there in, in some fashion in their exotic plays. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know about why Jack Christopher was out, just real quick, he yeah, had, a, he, uh, he, he had a, a stress fracture. So he had um, a screw inserted into his left shin to repair that. So not a huge deal. It's not. So I, I you know, you don't want people going out there going, oh, okay, well, this horse is that whole. No, I, it's not anything serious. Um, but that being said, the fact that he is coming back to contest a graded stakes race in the first start um, as a three-year-old, uh, I mean, it is it is a little bit of a question mark as to if he's good enough to go out there and win at first asking, and also on a track that on which he's never run before. This is a – I think the two that you were hitting on would be – Two that are going to be on most of my my exotics too, right? Yeah. The, after Jack Christopher, because Jack Christopher, if he's ready to rock and he's able to, especially if he's able to like improve and mature at oh, all gosh. from two to three, then <laughs> then we're really looking at a nice horse who could have an awesome second half of the year. He just yes. to me screams the type of horse who I'd be really intrigued in a month. You know, the the next mm-hmm. time he shows back up, wherever well, it is. What you just said is really interesting because I get the sense, and I think. This has been, you know, what has been discussed previously. This would have been a horse that Chad uh, would have wanted there in the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. So for him, this is sort of giving him that. I don't know. I think. In, I, I think this could potentially, if he is the same horse, he can pick Coming up out three party, maybe. Yeah, like th- this could be the softer spot for him to start mm-hmm. off that three-year-old season, and that's all that you know. I mean, we're looking at a graded stakes race here, right? And, you're, and so it's hard for us to necessarily think. Oh, it's a soft spot to start your three-year-old campaign, but yeah. in reality, for a horse of this caliber, potentially, it is. And yeah, they're they're. This is the horse, like we said, he missed the Breeders' Cup. He missed opportunities to get one or two prep races under his belt, and mm-hmm. and then possibly get into the Kentucky Derby. And so he, yeah, if he shows back up and he's good, he might be really good. At least worth mentioning that you know, command performance and wit. Yeah, not you know, not quite sure how strong those races have come back. A lot of we saw with the Breeders' Cup in particular. It's kind of funny because the Breeders' Cup was the race that was really bad, but the Jockey Club Gold Cup or the the Kentucky Jockey Club was a two-year-old race that has come back pretty good. So it just sort of depends on which which one of the two-year-old like prep races you want to look at last year with a lot of these horses because some of them have not come back well at three, and others have. That Breeders' Cup group hasn't really come back all that strong. Well, I think we also need to kind of wait just because, I mean, Cornish are the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He's not yet run back. He's Very back true. in training now. He's actually joining the barn of Todd Pletcher. Um, so things could get very interesting there. As for Witt, Witt was making the first start of his three-year-old season himself when he came back to win the uh, Bayshore by just a nose. But still, I mean, sometimes it takes these horses a little time to gear back in. But so to me, it's uber impressive that when they do come back in the three-year-old season to win not just a stakes race, but a graded stakes race at that. I think we need to give them a little bit more credit um, just from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But another race that's come back really, really strong, if we're going to talk about key races, is uh, the Risen Star. Absolutely. 
which Papa Cap was in two, two uh, starts back. And then if you really look at it, I mean, in the Risen Star, he's chasing pretty closely to a horse of just supreme quality, who I'm actually surprised wasn't made the morning line favorite in the Derby at Epicenter. And Epicenter, I mean, this is a horse who can carry speed. And he was, he was hanging pretty close to him in that race. And then he's hanging pretty freaking close to Classic Causeway and the mm -hmm. Florida Derby. So the fact that Papa Cap was able to do that, uh, you know, and then tiring, both those races being a mile and an eighth, I think he could be very dangerous here, cut back to a mile. I completely agree, Ren. I, I, I we are going to be screaming for Papa Cap together. Um, I actually, I have him on. I have him on top, and if he is in that like five to six to one, you know, range or so, which I think he yeah. will be, that's a really fair price. You, you just toss the risen star. And his race last time out in the Florida Derby, it really wasn't bad. He was three deep pressing. He moved yeah. up to challenge, and he just tired late. You know, yes. you're, you're going to get the cutback now. He's been running behind horses that are all going to be in the Derby. The top three from both of his last two races are all running in the Kentucky Derby. He, this is in, in talking about how the Breeders' Cup Juvenile didn't come back all that strong. I think this will be an opportunity for him to just say, yeah, you know, maybe I wasn't a, a, a true mile and a quarter or, or that or a horse that wanted to go that long. He makes a lot of sense in here, cutting back to a mile and have to just talk about. How incredible Flavian Pratt has been in the move. Yes. It, it sort of feels like this weekend for him could be a real coming out party on the yeah. national stage. Like, hey, look, I moved from the West Coast and I'm going to be riding a bunch of these Chad yeah. Brown horses and, you know, uh, horses for big barns. And yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see him win a bunch and a couple of these really big races. And, oh, no, for sure. And I would be remiss if when I was talking about the Florida Derby of Papa Cap right there in the mix with Classic Causeway, because, I mean, that's just the horse that, in terms of thinking of, that horse has supreme gate speed. Um, he just jets right out there. But also part of that uh, contested pace was simplification, who's a fabulous horse. We see him in the Kentucky Derby. I think that's a horse, if you don't have him in your exotics for the Derby, um, you may be wishing you did come the end of the race, um, at the very least, the exotics. Um, and so, he, you know, as you were saying, to be part of that and to still hang in there for fourth, I think is pretty impressive. Let's get to Doppelganger, who was yes. uh, the others that you mentioned towards the outside, and he was a nice winner first time out of the box. And then he chased Forbidden Kingdom, who, heck, going into the Santa Anita Derby, had Forbidden Kingdom run well in there. He would have been, you know, one of the top top tier horses coming into the Derby. He yeah. had an issue, uh, a, a physical issue. He is an injury. Was it epiglottis or something? It was something. Yeah, it was something minor, but physical, definite, legitimate excuse for the performance there, though. Mm -hmm. And so then Doppelganger goes over to the Arkansas Derby. That was a weird race, wasn't yes. it? It was yes. bizarre. Like he dropped back. He looked, he was up close and then he sort of looked like he was done. He kind of got pushed wide. Then he was just a little bit flat. He backed up and all of a sudden he's like coming on again. It was right. like, what, what was happening? It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and also consider that's just the fourth start of his career. Mm -hmm. um, and the, First start out of California and the first start he had without blinkers. So now we've been running without him. And I think this is a horse where you just basically you summed it up right there. I mean, who beat you? Forbidden Kingdom. I mean, and your stable mate at the time, Pinehurst. Um, it's just like, I, I just think this horse is one of those that. I mean, into mischief out of a quiet American mare. I mean, he's gonna love going a mile. I think. 
mm-hmm. little turn back. You like where he's yeah. drawn towards the outside too. It doesn't really bother you yeah. if he's hooked in like the three kind of four path and on the turn back, and he's able ah. to just stay in the clear out there. I think to me in, <laughs> in exotics and stuff, he's like a must use all over, especially if you're trying to beat Jack Christopher, right? If that's yeah, your approach in here, he him and doppelganger or doppelganger and Papa Cap, they feel like really in that next tier of. Yeah, logical horses that have a really nice shot, and they should be a, a lot better value if you want to take a stand against the the favorite and, here. And the thing you also have to consider um, is we're going to have a giant crowd, not just in the grandstand. We're going to have a giant crowd on the infield. Um, so these boys are just still three years old. And then the other thing to consider is that this stretch is long, okay, and it it can. For a horse on the front end, they need to be one of those horses that's a determined, I'm going to go, I'm in the lead, see a sayonara types, right? You cannot have a young horse on the front going that long stretch at Churchill who gets distracted, who who gets maybe a little discouraged thinking, oh my gosh, I'm still going, where's the wire? (laughs) And getting leg weary out there. You need to have that horse that he's going to be in the front end that's going to rip their heart out. Otherwise, you're going to have a horse like Doppelganger who's going to be like, hey, I've got all this ground. Come get you. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Feel feels like it's a great spot for yeah. Doppelganger. Let's talk about a couple more in here in the Pat Day Mile with Ren Carruthers. Let's go to the inside. Major General. He's kind of an interesting one to to talk about. He had a couple good starts at two, and then he mm-hmm. was off for quite some time. He showed back up in the Tampa Bay Derby. He had some trouble at the start there. You and know, they, I, they, did you think? Okay, it didn't look great, and sometimes. Sometimes I'll give the benefit of the doubt with a with, with a stumble that it doesn't look very dramatic when you watch it. Not super dramatic. It looks dramatic enough that okay, you could say okay, I can understand why this horse didn't win. It didn't look dramatic enough to finish last. To just put a line right through, also ran type of race, right? right? And, yeah. and that was against top quality. He did come back and run well in the Lexington. Yes, he, he did speed that day, and so he he took a step forward. Third First time blinkers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I guess the price for him, right? If we're talking about him in the same tier of price with the two other horses that we just mentioned, I I like them a little bit better. I'm not like ice cold on Major General, but I just probably like the Papa Cap and Doppelganger who will probably all be in that like five to one-ish range a little more than I like Major General. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know on the morning line, he's a bit of a shorter price, but of the two Pletchers, I actually prefer... My prankster. Um, I, I just I think so too. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think this the rail it, may not be easy in this in this race, right? No, with this kind no. Of a field. And on top of it, the, the thing with my prankster is, yeah, he was fourth in the Lafayette West Wet Fast Track. If you watch the replay back, you can see there's still some standing water on the surface of the track. Um, I, we don't know what the conditions are going to be like on Saturday. There is rain in the forecast, but um, I don't necessarily know or think that that was why he ran forth or didn't run forth. I'm just saying that's one of the factors to consider. But the other one being the fact that he did have a little bit of a freshener in between. And um, I don't know. He had a bit of a wide trip in there as well. Uh, I do like what we saw from him in the swale. I liked what we saw from him in that optional at Gulfstream. I mean, he sat not far off a pretty hot pace there. Um, Dean Delivers, who was second there in the swale, that horse actually put in, I thought, a pretty solid mm-hmm. performance in the Fountain of Youth, youth out of the swale. He pressed the play, pace, he briefly got the lead, and then he ultimately finished fifth. Um, 
But yeah, I think my prankster is a horse that could certainly step up here with a little more recency to him. So uh, one that I think, if uh, for a big big price, and one that I'll I'll throw in on some uh, of the bottom of exotics at least, is a horse who may be a little light on speed figures, but I do think this cutback will help him because I was following Trafalgar. Um, you know, early on in the season, and I yeah. really liked he he lost the classic Causeway first time out, and he came right back. And I was a big fan of his maiden win, which was nice. It was right here at Churchill, mm-hmm. going a mile. So he knows this track and he knows this trip. Then December the second, it was a really weird race at Fairgrounds because he sort of loomed up. You thought he was going to win pretty easily, and then he kind of waited. Like really waited when he hit the lead And he kind of had to battle back But it was <laughs> you, you could tell that there was something there And then he he, he kind of had another weird effort In the Lecompte because He was sitting in a pretty good spot And he shifted out from behind cover Early on in the stretch And he looked yeah. like he was going to have a little run And he was just flat Just not yeah. a whole lot But maybe you look back and go okay Perhaps he's he's like a miler and maybe that's about where he's best and anything over the mile is just a little too much for him because that's what happened on December the 2nd. Then it happened again in January and he was behind Call Me Midnight, Epicenter, Papa Cap. Yeah. That's not a bad race. Then in the Risen Star, you know, he's we talked about what a strong race the Risen yes. Star was and that's just a little too far. Maybe you can put a line right through that. He's a little fresh here. I wouldn't completely dismiss him. In you know some middle to uh, to bottom of exotics, I'm going to be using him in some spots. Well, especially like it, it, you just went over the fact that shortened up at the very track where this is going to be contested at Churchill. That's where he's got his two and a quarter length win. My only wonder with that is, and yes, I'm I'm still going to say this, even knowing that he gave the the, the field a little bit of a head start because he was a little slow from this blocks there. Um, they went. They went pretty good clip out front. Uh, Unpredictable Bay did. He went pretty fast. But you mean for a mile to put in a 44 and 4 should have been some sort of late interest, right? You, you yes. would have liked to see just something there. Yeah. So I, it's really just hard for me to qualify. But I certainly hear what you're saying. And I, I, I think it. I think it's a very interesting and potentially live long shot that you just gave out. That's uh, that's Trafalgar there as we finish up talking about the Pat Day Mile with Ren. Uh, one more that's just cool to mention because this has been a really honest horse, and I don't know if he's good enough to win this race. But again, if you're looking for a horse at the bottom of the exotics, you've got Tejano Twist, who he just was way out of it on a wet track. But if it is wet, two starts back, he didn't run all that poorly on a track that was listed as a, a good off track mm-hmm. over at Fairgrounds. He'll be making the third start of his form cycle, and he's just. He he shows up and fights, you know, for the most part each and every time. He's been in the exacta in eight of his eleven. He feels like he might be a cut below some of the top in here, but his his better speed figures aren't really that far off from some of the uh, the top top horses in here. I wouldn't completely dismiss someone who wanted to throw him in some spots. No, I I, I totally get what you're saying. I, he's been some very quickly run races, uh, for sure. And I like that he seems to be kind of dynamic. Yeah, um, versatile. He, yeah, very, very versatile. So, you know, another where we always throw their tactical. Uh, I know, I always and, say that, yeah. <laughs> but, and I also, I, I also think that whenever a horse has a performance that's just so far removed from what we, when they're pretty consistent like this horse has been, right? And then they put in a performance like they did in Los Fayette. 
I think you can definitely go the the uh, benefit of the doubt route mm-hmm. and say, okay, look, something didn't go right for you that day. Don't know exactly what it was, but we know you're better than this. Yeah. So if you were like, if I was going to tell my girlfriend, it would be a reason, not an excuse. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> right. that's the that's the reason why I didn't do that or we didn't run well. It's not an excuse, you know. Right. But and I mean, cases, you can actually use excuses and reasons. They both fit. It's just a little yeah. different in the real world when you're talking with your partner. You know, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> And then the other thing I would say with regarding the allowance went, it was a pretty soft field, except for we did have a nice horse come out of that race in um, Blue Kentucky. He next ran second. He was just beating a length and a half. I know it was a 50 claimer, but still it was at Keeneland and he put up an 81 buyer figure. So it's still pretty comparable, still pretty nice. And so, yeah, I think Teano Twist is a horse that definitely deserves to you know be talked about. I don't know what's been going on with Howling Time. That's a horse that showed a lot of ability. He's been really solid at Churchill Downs specifically. You talk about the Kentucky Jockey Club. He's the horse who got the lead that day in the Kentucky Jockey Club. And then he goes on that layoff, doesn't come back till March. And it's like he's a different horse. This is a horse based on the pedigree. You think he would get better with time. Howling Time. (laughs) I know. But, but. So, yeah, I mean, I just I don't know what the deal is here, because to me also, it's not necessarily like, oh, he doesn't want to go a mile on the 16th. Yeah, I think he's happy to go a mile on the 16th, depending on the quality. But I mean, I just don't know what's happened because it was a pretty dramatic fall off in in form. I mean, obviously, with the fountain of youth, there was that accident in the course of the race. And then with the Romans horses, you sort of expect, okay, with they'll they'll probably perk back up at Keeneland. You know, we've seen that mm-hmm. sometimes if they don't run all that well in Florida down there and they come back and yeah, just didn't didn't fire again. Um, right. Not just not sure what to do with, with that one at all. Um, no, but c- because again though, you go, oh, but maybe he, because here's the thing. You come back to Churchill where he's, he's run well, horse, right? We don't know. And is it possible that he's just a horse for course? Yeah. He loves it, Churchill Downs. I don't know. <laughs> And since you got beyond that second start where he had to do things a little differently, right? Those first two races, that's six furlongs, and that's about a mile and a sixteenth in a race where he was favored and probably just better. And yes. then going a little bit longer against better horses, you're probably if you're not really a horse that wants to go or is is shown well going long, you're probably gonna be in trouble when you face top competition. You can yeah. you can do it against horses that you're a little bit better than, but I yeah, I just I'm not sure what to do with him. One more who likes Churchill. Trademark. Got to give a shout out to Rafael Bejarano. Just did a nice, uh, yeah. really cool interview with him recently. Um, he's uh, he's on part of that Fantac crew, and they've got the the, the jockey merchandise over there. Oh, that's fun. And he is someone that wow. When you just like look back through, you know, and doing research to, to talk with him and looking at some of the horses he's been on, yeah. you forget, you know, because it was more ten or fifteen years ago in Southern California when he was really dominant in. Wow, he has been on some incredible horses, and mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be getting an opportunity in some big races this weekend. He rides a lot for basically everything now for uh, for Victoria Oliver, and this horse likes it at Churchill. And you know, you dig into Trademark. I don't think he's quite as good as some of the others, but you go, okay, he was in the Tampa Bay Derby and the Bluegrass in the last two, and he mm. was fifth. He was probably behind horses that all four of them you could look at in in you know in, in the Bluegrass mm-hmm. and say they were just better than him. Right. You know, I mean, um, so, happy <laughs> you know, they're probably just better. Um, so I don't, he's another, that's what's so cool about this race is we, you know, talking about the whole field is that you, with these young horses too, and they're, they're still three, they still have upside. They can take big steps forward. So many of these horses could run races that would be really competitive 
Especially if Jack Christopher looks like a horse who maybe does need a race and maybe he's a little short and then he's going to be, you know, primed for his second start off the bench. A really cool Pat Day mile, Ren. Oh my gosh, for sure. And I don't know, I guess the choice just comes down when you're paramutually speaking. And of course, this is all weather dependent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to go Jack Christopher and try to make up the money in the exotics underneath, or if you're going to just try and just say, I'm let go ahead and beat me yeah. <laughs> and try to just like swing for it. But that's that's the what she what Ren just said. That's the approach. It's either one or the other, right? You're not. You got to make sure that if you're going Jack Christopher, then let's try to find some nice prices that we can use, or maybe there one or two that we can throw into an exact a try or super. And if not, will, oh, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, no. Go I will ahead. say I will say this in the horizontals. He's certainly not a single. No, no, not at all for me. Not in not in in this race in this. Not in the way the races shape up And not in this wide open field Where there could be a good amount of other speed in here And he might just put him in a tough spot I'm sure he could sit But he's probably going to be a little fresh Off Mm. of that layoff He's probably going to be wanting to go And if he gets hooked by a couple other horses in here You know, that that might make him work really, really hard That is uh, Jack Christopher We're talking the Pat Day Mile with Ren Carruthers Okay, Ren, so we move a little Uh (laughs) <laughs> Later on to the Derby, but before we go to the Derby, we're gonna go get back. I, I've said this joke a few times for the Uh-oh. people that are laughing out there uh, that they're probably rolling their eyes. But we're gonna get back in the Delorean. We're gonna go back to Friday to the uh, Kentucky Oaks. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, a couple horses in there that you may like or use. What a cool, good, like fantastic every adjective you can um, you can use to describe this field. Quality fillies here. It really is. And I I mean, I would be so happy to see a number of them win from simply a fan perspective, to be completely honest. Um, so it makes it hard. Now, uh, I'm not much better from the paramutual standpoint either, because all things considered, if we do have rain in the forecast, I think that just moves Nest up even further. I mean, you're by curling and you're out of a you're out of an AP Indy mare. I mean, get out of here. You're, I mean, you'll love it. Like, <laughs> being able to go a mile and an eighth in an off track. <laughs> and as we record on Tuesday evening, the weather has sort of shifted around a little bit, and it looks like we're going to get m- not as much Thursday, maybe more Friday, and then <laughs> hopefully stop a little into Saturday. But it looks like Friday could be a pretty wet, wet day. Yeah, I, I think I think if that is the case, I think she's she's gone. I mean, Secret Oath is obviously a, another horse who I think will – will bear just fine in the off going. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously I root for Echo Zulu too. She is our reigning Breeders Cup juvenile Phillies champ, uh, Eclipse champion, two-year-old Philly. How can you not love her undefeated, putting that record on the line by Gunrunner? Um, she's she's extraordinarily talented. Um, so it, it's really hard, but those are the Three and for me the obvious three. I know a lot of people like uh, Kathleen O as well. It's not that I don't, but I just think those three are slightly cut above. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of agree. I, I do too. I'm I'm not quite sure if she's as, as up to task as the others, but this is what these type of races are made for, where you get the best of the fillies from all over, the horses right. that dominated their local circuits. And they get to all come over And because it's such a contentious race Everybody's a little bit better priced than they normally Would be you're going to have like a bunch of Horses that are three to one to Six to one you know In that range and and then you'll have A few bombs if you want to try to use some of them Underneath 
I've been as excited for the Oaks this year, um, maybe as the Derby, just because it's like watching these Phillies for the last few months and knowing that they were all going to come to a head at some point. It's been really mm-hmm. cool, and this should be a fantastic race. Oh, I can't Friday. believe I just said that, though, by the way, because, I mean, like, it's still it's shook. I love him. He's freaking I, a McGahee. I'm a fangirl. So, I mean, I shouldn't – I don't know. Maybe – and she hasn't – I mean, my gosh, what has she done wrong with an undefeated Nothing. record too, right? Nothing. But Nothing. it's – I just – I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I'm just drawn to Ness and Secret Oath more. And I feel bad even saying, like, not even putting Echo Zulu as the top two for me because, me you know, I want to represent, right? But there's other speed in here too. And I just don't know. I just don't know how that's going to shape up for her necessarily. If, you know, if Yugiri's all over her, I don't know, right? I agree. I, I so, think my top two are, are with, I sort of have Nest and Secret Oath that feel to me like kind of my top tier. I, I think I'm going to use them the most in in all of the exotics. And, and here's the you, other thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You just can't. You like they're all quality, but we're going to come in here and we're going to look at probably four fillies that'll take a lot of money, and you're going to have to take a stand with one or two of them, with a couple of them, right? You're not probably just yeah. not going to go A, B, C, D with the four super logicals, unless maybe you have really strong opinions in the races leading up. So you're going to have to pick and choose which of these you just like a little bit better because they're all good. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. And I, I'm actually pretty surprised um, that uh, Secret Oath isn't getting more attention there on the morning line. Uh, I mean, when I saw her installed at six to one, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, that's amazing. Um, take in mind that trip she had with the Arkansas Derby, obviously against males. What a what a sportsman like uh, bid. Uh, by D. Wayne Lucas to try to get those derby points for her. Um, and she did not get embarrassed. I mean, not she got the Shoto. And this was after, if you watch that race back, and I highly encourage people to do it. When she started from the gate, she comes out and then Cyber Knife kind of comes over and like she gets squeezed between horses at the start of the race. Then she makes that move on the backside. And maybe that button was pushed a little too soon. Um, and I'm not saying that it would have made a difference for her because I think she was pretty tired anyway at this point. But it certainly doesn't help when Cyberknife then started drifting a little bit and stretch right in front of her. The kickback from his hooves slapping her in the face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So, yes. I mean, the fact that she went through all that, I think that horse has every shot to win the Oaks. Um, and uh, again, I don't think an off track will be any. Uh, issue for her um, I know she ran in the slop on debut And was third but I that was just I don't think it's because she doesn't like off going So much as it was her first race ever And there was traffic issues and all Sorts of stuff like that uh, But again Ness looks very tough How fun will, will that party For Mike Rapoli and company be If she sh- <laughs> uh, uh, They will have a drink or two I'd imagine you, oh, yeah, you they recently might- Spoke with Rapoli did you yeah, know he, He's got he's got I think at least I think he told me he has at least two restaurants booked out, like booked solid wow. for just his peeps. Wow. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got he's got a bunch of people coming um through his company that he's invited to see what this world is about, which I think is fantastic. 
Um, and we also know that he bought in. You know, here's a funny thing. I like to think, and I'm sure I didn't, but I'm just going to say I did because it makes me feel special. Um, that maybe I inspired him to buy into Modonical because I, when I did this interview, I was talking about how, oh, you don't have a horse in the Derby this year. You think maybe you'll shoehorn your way in for a walkover anyway? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And, and then a couple of days later, I see the news come out that he bought into Modonical, which, of course, makes sense. He being a son of Rapoli's Uncle Mo. Um, so I, I think that's great. And I mean, what a what a fun, fun personality he is. That's got to be one of the best times. I've, I, I enjoy all the interviews I do with everybody. I don't I don't want to say I like I like doing it with this person more than this person or anything, you know, in regard to that. But I will say I don't know when I've had such a just one of those experiences where I had to watch my own interview back just to watch it as a viewer. Um because he's he's just so dynamic. The personality is off the charts. And we transition on over and start talking a little bit about the Derby, and we can yes. talk a little bit about uh, uh, Rapoli, who is a part Don't of. Don't you want to give you the segue? Yeah, that was just. It was <laughs> almost like you've done this uh, a few times before I mean, right? in, your, in your life, once or twice. Uh, <laughs> once or twice. So. Uh, obviously, when any horse draws the rail nowadays, you're going to get the whole, <gasps> you know, whoever whoever gets oh, it, right. and and I think for a horse like Mo Donegal, who is a super live Kentucky Derby contender, rail yeah. draw, whatever, like he he fits him winning the Derby would not be anything like all that crazy. He doesn't no. seem like a horse who, of course, they probably wouldn't have picked the rail, but I don't know <laughs> if the, the, his style and is going to be hindered all that much by his post position. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I, I I wouldn't worry about. It. I mean, I know it's. I believe me. I know it is a different animal at Churchill Downs in a twenty horse field when you have drawn the rail. But he did win the Wood Memorial from the rail and his first start off the layoff um, over a very well meant horse. Uh, so I yeah I, I in the Derby itself and as you've already established with his running style, I don't think it matters. Okay, so let's talk about some of the horses who you uh, who you'll be using in exotics and. Uh, we have Epicenter and uh, Zandin as uh, the top two. You mentioned you thought maybe Epicenter uh, should have been favored in here. He's done very, very little wrong. Well, didn't both you? Take Did you? Were you a little surprised that it was Zandin made favorite? I think if they would have, I think if if he would have drawn more towards the middle or the outside, it, I wouldn't have been shocked if it was flip flopped. I wonder if okay. the draw of the three just down inside, maybe they thought it'll force Epicenter a little bit more. But yeah, I just sort of thought with the credentials. That epicenter has done a little bit more on his resume, and it's mm-hmm. not as if, like on connections, it, he's going to get a lot of money based off of the connections there too. So I did think he would, but I guess it's not all. I, those to me felt like the top two, so I guess it's not all that egregious. But yeah. I, I would, I myself probably would have gone the that direction with epicenter also. Yeah, I mean, I, I think epicenter. The, the nice thing about him is that he he does have that early foot to basically establish position, but then he has rate ability. He's got a I mean, based on what we saw there in the Louisiana Derby, a, a good mind to just go ahead and 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 wait, um, but sticking close and not losing contact. So, and I'm not concerned, obviously, about a mile and a quarter with him with that pedigree. Um, but it, like you said, it it will obviously depend on just how he is used in the beginning. But you've got Joel Rosario up, who's so good at at knowing when to push the gas, when to lay off. So, I I mean, I think he's a horse you definitely have to use. Um, Zandon, obviously I respect him. I'm actually, I mean, I don't know, call me crazy and that's fine. I don't care. I, I, I don't worry so much about stats, even when 
when only one horse historically has ever done something. I don't really care. I I really do think Taba could win this. I do. I, I yeah. I, I doesn't. I've been warming up to him more and more recently. Um, just sort of looking at the field and and thinking about him. What he did from start one to start two was really really impressive. Well, the insane thing is, okay, you put up that triple digit buyer on debut, which is already impressive enough. It's a six furlong sprint. You do it pretty much on the front end the whole way. Um, but then for him to put up a triple digit buyer again, now going around two turns at a mile and eighth, going from six furlongs to a mile and an eighth and doing that and not only doing it, but doing it from coming off the pace, not on it. That is pretty freaking impressive. And he looked to do it so well within himself, so easily for just being the second start of his career. And the thing I, I also noticed about him, at least from a physical standpoint, he's got an, a, what I call, well, it's not just what I call it, it's what we know it as, but for us horse people, what we call a wide girth, um, which means it looks like he's got a you know, nice width within his chest for those, you know, the lungs to expand. The other thing I really liked and I was impressed by was I watched the video of him coming off the trailer uh, at Churchill. And obviously we know that is a long trip to make from the West Coast. And he looked fantastic. Didn't look like, as as they also say, didn't look like he turned a hair. Um, <laughs> and, and on top of it, not only did he look great in, in that way, but there's, there's something about a horse's eye. There's something about the way that they and, and their composure. He looked like an old man almost, just taking it all in. Like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, <laughs> for a horse who's so lightly raced, um, it, it, I, it was just very impressive to me. And Mike is very impressed by him too. He he sees a lot of gun runner in this horse, um, and he'd actually Mike had actually been aboard. Taba, if, if I remember correctly, what he told me during the um, interview I did with him for ABR, um, he was telling me that he'd been on him working him as a two-year-old. So he already knew he, was, he had ability. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think this is a really uh, exciting horse. I know that Zaydan Stables, this is a horse they were waiting for that debut. And we're not at all surprised when he lived up to what they thought he was. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think again, um, very interesting. And also from the pedigree standpoint, you know, being by gun runner, um, being out of a flatter mare for those of you who don't know pedigree, that's such great pedigree. And even if we get a wet track, because remember flatter is by AP Indy and not only is flatter by AP Indy, but flatter himself hails from the female family of a derby winner in, um, Sea Hero. And Sea Hero, for those of you who don't know, that's the statue at Saratoga that you always see in the paddock. That's Sea Hero. <laughs> and um, I I think we have a good, I think we have a pretty good group towards the top. I feel like, you know, after maybe the top four or five, like always, there is a, a drop off. Give me one crazy long shot horse who you think will show up and run a good race or maybe outrun their odds a little bit. Simplification. Really versatile, honest, right? Just can yes. do it in different ways I, as encountered some trouble already and had to learn how to come from off the pace a little bit in a race yep. where he may have trouble. I like that. I like that. I, I really do too. And I think this is one of those horses, you know how they always say you want to see the horse, you know, steadily make an improvement, steadily make an improvement. Well, I, inter I interviewed um, Alessandro Sano, who's Antonio Sano's son. And he was telling me how, you know, one, I forget if it was the Mucho Macho Man or the Holy Bull, but he was saying, 
I think it was the Holy Bull. He was saying about how, you know, there was a big crowd there that day. And he kind of got a little like, oh, what's going on? But then when he came back from the Fountain of Youth, he was like a total pro about it. I like that this horse, he has real speed if he wants to use it to employ it. But he can also come from off it. I mean, we saw him do that in the Fountain of Youth. And again, we know that there was an incident in there. Um, but the other thing that was interesting is not only did he win the Fountain of Youth and not get distracted by what had happened, um, but he actually won the Fountain of Youth on the wrong lead. <laughs> um, and he won it by three and a half lengths still over, you know, and so just a really nice horse uh, also in just type and in form and what he went through in the Florida Derby, I thought was so impressive because he was pressing classic Causeway and then he put him, you know, classic Causeway backed out of it um, for whatever reason. And then here's Papa Cap still all over, right? And and it wasn't until, uh, you know, he puts him away. And so it's not until White Barrio and then Charge It start coming on that he finally does capitulate. But even then you could see he was still trying to go on with it. And I just think you can't train that into a horse. A horse either has that type of fight in them or doesn't. And this is another horse who, I mean, just tremendous pedigree on him as well. Um, he's actually from the family responsible for a shadow, which I mean, hello. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You got a little blood, you got some pedigree there and, uh, Ren, it's yeah. always such a blast talking with you. So how oh, do you, how do you, you play? Like, how do you play on these weekends? What, what are some of the wagers that you make or, you know, what, what do you, what do you end up doing? Come, come, you know, derby time where you, you, you end up playing tries or supers, or do you go more of the pick three, pick four route do you, and try to end with a few horses? What's sort of your approach? Well, at the derby, I think it's fun to play the supers just because you always oh. have that giant field and you have so many. Oh, and by the way, charge it obviously is a horse you could, if he can get if he can mentally get it together, he's so he was so green there. If if he can get it together, that's that's a horse who's pretty dangerous for for, for the tea pledge. I agree. The he's top father that I'm warming up more and more too. I like <laughs> he's got the speed, he can sit, he's gonna yep. be close up in that that first kind of pack out of the trouble, charge it there. We are going to be following you all throughout the week. We're always following uh, Ren Carruthers on social media. And don't forget your win bets, people. Don't waste your win bet. If you have a price, don't waste it. Don't just play the exotics. Especially in weekends like this where more than the Derby, you can get great prices throughout, right? You'll get big prices in the Oaks. How how often, honestly, Gino, how often do we hear people go, oh, gosh, my my, uh, single one at a giant price, but then I got knocked out by the favorite in the next leg or whatever it is. Don't waste your your price wars. And you don't have to worry about betting – 100, 200, 500. There's nothing wrong with 20 bucks to win on a nice five to one shot. That's a hundred dollars back right there. There's zero, there's zero yeah. wrong with, you know, however yeah. your, whatever your bankroll is. Don't ROI, like, baby. You know, that's it's what it's all about. <laughs> Ren, we are going to be uh, listening and looking out for all sorts of content from you. We're going to follow you on social media at Ren, R E N Carruthers. Please uh, give Matt a big hug for me and tell him I hello. Will. And uh, I, will. I Wish you guys the best of luck. I hope the the family is doing well. And thanks, thanks again. You and I would sit here if I know. one one day, <laughs> one day I think you and I should do like 
something for a charity and we can do like a stream where we talked about a full card for like oh gosh, the entire all night, right? We could like raise money for charity and like one let's of the nights leading in and we'd be like all throughout the night. Okay, two hours later, race two. Here we go. You know, like race two. And I'll, I'll pull up the DRF past performances. We could dive on in and look at pedigree and races and, yeah. uh, and replays and everything. Nobody could ever accuse us of not doing the work. That's true. <laughs> I, I tell people what after you might not like me, I might annoy you or it might come off this or that, but I promise you will always be prepared. We'll always be right. ready to rock. You'll always come in and, and go, okay, at least I know they did the work. So um, exactly. And that's make- how I can live with it. If I get beat, I did the work. It's up to you. You can bet my pick. Don't bet my pick. It's up to you. It's it's like when you study for the test, you walk in, you know, you did everything that you yeah. could, you feel really good about it. And, uh, and Test day is coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday, <laughs> two of the biggest days of the year for us horse players. Ren, you have a fantastic week. Good luck you to you. Too. God bless you and the family. You and I'll too. be talking God to you again you. real soon. Thanks, Gino. That's Ren Carruthers. Make sure to give her a follow and check out all the great content that she'll have coming up this week. Don't go anywhere, folks. We are continuing on uh, following Ren. We will head on over and talk the eighth race, the grade one Derby City Distaff. On Saturday, stay tuned. So yeah, Ren and I saw that race uh, pretty similarly. I, I'd like the three Papa Cap most doppelganger is going to be in all my exotics. I'll have some Major General and some Trafalgar in uh, in exotics. Then what do you do with you know Jack Christopher? What are you going to do with uh, you know a couple other horses that I might be looking at? Tahano Twist and you know my Prankster. But one, three, nine, ten are the ones that I like most and will be in the majority of my exotics there. With Papa Cap, probably a win wager, anything around five to one. We're going to move along from race number seven to race number eight. Before we do, we want to let you know about a really cool collaboration going on with our friends at OldSmokeClothing.com. I work with the folks at Better Than Vegas, and they have a shirt out over at OldSmokeClothing.com. If you go to the website, OldSmokeClothing.com slash BTV, you can check out the I Don't Bet, I Win t-shirt. It's $32, and if you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order very comfortable shirt. I have it myself. I rock it when I uh, do some of the live streams there. I don't bet. I win. We're all going to win a ton this weekend. And we're going to head on over to oldsmokeclothing.com slash BTV. Let's get to race number eight. Now, I do have to mention that Sarah helped us out with this race. And when we were talking about the race on Wednesday, the field was completely intact there. Sarah L. Bodwi from over at... Uh, Horse Racing Nation, but now there's a big scratch. Lady Rocket is out of the race, and this does change the complexion of the race because now Lady Rocket was a major, major speed factor there. So no Lady Rocket there. She's going to be running in the Ruffian. That's going to make things a little bit easier for Edgeway, and perhaps you upgrade Edgeway a bit in uh, thinking Edgeway could be able to take this field gate to wire you know, maybe upgrade Center Isle a little bit, thinking that if, if Center Isle breaks well, she has a little bit uh, more of an opportunity. But just wanted to mention that before the conversation here, we talked the Derby City Distaff with Sarah. 
We continue on the Saturday Kentucky Derby undercard. We are up to race number eight. It's the grade one Derby City Distaff. And joining me now for the first time on That's What G Said podcast, she has become, uh, I think the last six months to a year, just an absolute Twitter superstar all over the place, handicapping, excellent selections. And I've I've seen Sarah Elbadwi uh, really, really doing some great work out there. You're like the, if there was a rookie of the year or like a, like someone who came onto the scene in the last year or so, I feel like you've really, really done great work and, and we've been seeing you a lot more. Where have you been hiding up until that, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for the high praise. That really means a lot coming from uh, yourself and plenty of others on Twitter and uh, in the professional horse racing industry. Um, I was just never really putting myself out there as far as my horse racing opinions because amongst people my age and you know where I was in Massachusetts it just wasn't really the sport that a lot of people had an interest in but this is something that I've been following really since I was a little kid and much more seriously over the past couple of years on and off and I finally decided you know what it's time to really start um, seeing what I can get out of this as far as putting my name out there and see if I really have a feel for what I'm doing and trying to build some connections within the racing industry and uh, the way that it's taken off is really you know beyond my wildest dreams let alone anybody else's so uh, I'm just excited to be in the area for derby time to see what it's really like being a, a local now to Louisville and being able to go to this event is more than I could have ever really hoped for. One thing that I really appreciate in just uh, following your work and uh, a lot of your content, not only do you do a fantastic job, you put the work in, but you, you're yourself. You know, you, 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 you're not afraid to have fun and joke around and, and have a laugh or take a shot at Ed DeRosa because we know that, that that's needed to be done many, many times. Right. So <laughs> I, I just, you know, be your sometimes horse racing, like you were saying, it's sort of like you think of kind of an older crowd. Sometimes it's a little bit of stuffy and there aren't it's not like a younger thing. And I, I just I'm, it's always very refreshing to see people who come in and they're just not afraid to be them in the horse racing world. I think we need a lot more of that. Oh, well, thank you. That, that all means a lot. And I would agree completely. I think that this is a sport that's been around for obviously quite some time and to be able to make it more approachable and really solidify its ability to have a future. I think that we need more people that are willing to just be human and be themselves and that's that's really all I strive to do, and it's it's nice that it's so well received, and um, it's it's nice to possibly get this out there to people more my age and see that it's possible to bring those kinds of people in to be more open minded and be more willing to, you know, not think that I'm oh I'm better than you or oh well I've been yeah. studying this for so long so I must know this. The great thing about horse racing is that at least there's an event that's going to happen no matter what everyone's solid or not so solid opinions are there will be an event that occurs and you're either right or you're either wrong Mm -hmm. about that one and there's this quantifier to kind of bring everyone down to a humbling level so it's it's nice to always be a student of the sport and i i strive to maintain that mentality wherever this career takes me well uh let's uh let's have it take us to the derby city distaff on the churchill undercard we're looking at a really nice grade one and as we were talking before we started recording the the real key race for this is the Madison. That was a race that you did some handicapping for and you dived into. And six of the horses from the Madison on April the 9th return and are in this grade one Derby City distaff. 
yes, you gave me an absolute gift of a race to discuss. <laughs> Easy work. <laughs> um, right. I feel like I've gone back in time to April 9th, uh, where six of these eight, like you said, ran in that grade one Madison and going this seven furlong distance at Keeneland. And that was a race that I had the pleasure of discussing with Gabby Gaudet. And now I have the pleasure to talk about a similar cast of characters with you. And I'm hoping for some redemption because neither she or I were too optimistic about just one time who ended up winning that race. So hopefully this is the time for me and for you to pick a winner here. There we go. And and he, uh, she will likely be one of the uh, the more heavily backed in here. And she's won six of her seven races. She had to go wide um, in her last start. She sort of stepped up in her last two. She was one of those horses. She was winning at Penn and at Presque Isle. You didn't really know how good she was. And she's answered the class test in a, a couple of them. She dropped from four to one to two to one when the race started. She was four to one loading into the gate. She got hammered. She ended up going off at two to one and was actually favored when it was all said and done. So, you know, she and five other of these come out of that race. She'll go second off. It wasn't a race that had an off track that day. Now from, uh, I guess, how are you going to look to play the race? Are you, are you like a pick four, pick five player? Do you play more individually? And is she a horse that'll be on your ticket or are we trying to beat her again today? Well, I'm not going to make the same mistake I did last time of leaving her off my ticket when I had everybody else in that pick five. And I went four deep in that race to only have her out kick <laughs> bells the one. And I know. How did that crazy, happen? Crazy. I mean, you could say that that track was potentially kind to closers, but out closing a horse like bells the one is no joke. And to start from further back than she did and out kick her down the lane. Now, I will say that the pace complexion of that race did change a little bit when center aisle did not break yet again. Um, and center aisle is a horse that I thought that I, that was going to be on the lead that day and that lady rocket was going to stalk. So that's why I picked lady rocket for the Madison, um, center aisle though, she can break cleanly before I factor her in as a pace presence or pick her again. Um, that's just something I really want to see out of her to get out of the gate, especially stepping up uh, against company like this, like she did last time and facing the same kind of company again. You can't give them a couple lanes as a start, especially when you're a horse that needs to be forwardly placed to be most successful. So she's out for me. The only horse I think that could possibly give just one time a run for her money down the stretch is the number five obligatory, one of only two new faces coming mm -hmm. into this cast of characters. Jose Ortiz gets back aboard who rode her for most of her three-year-old career. She's now a four-year-old. She's had two wins at Gulfstream Park coming into this. She is two for two at Churchill Downs, and she won last year in the grade two eight bells, and that was sort of her, oh, this is a serious horse kind yeah. of race. So I'm not going to leave either of those two off any pick five tickets that I have. And Edgeway, to me, the other new face in here, um, I think that she's might be a little bit outclassed, although she did finish a nice second to CC in the Breeders' Cup uh, Philly Mare Sprint. Yeah, I think we've got the top sort of tier. I, I really just feel like just one time of the horses coming out of that race, like she was very, very good. Um, and and it was hard for me in watching the races. Like she just ran Bell's the one down. She likes Churchill. I can understand if some want to use Bell's the one, but obligatory feels like the most interesting the new face. And I do like, I do like going to a new face when it's a situation like this, where like everybody comes out of one race and then you have another horse that looks really good, but just hasn't faced them all yet. Uh, obligatory is that one was last of six was about six or seven off. And that was on a, a good track at Gulfstream park 
which is just probably not ideal conditions for a horse like obligatory with the running style that she would want to show at, at six furlongs coming from way out of it. That was her first start at four. That was her first start in almost four months. So she's gotten a lot of time. So I'm not worried about any kind of bounce or any regression, really. I think she takes a nice little step forward off of that. I think we're both seeing the, seeing the same thing for the most part in here. I was, I was kind of disappointed with Kamari's effort last time out. It wasn't as if it was bad. And and she just sort of she's got that nice running style where she can get the jump on them, but I I I don't know why it's going to be a whole lot different in here because doesn't it feel like with Lady Rocket drawing inside, you've got at least her and Edgeway that you'd imagine are gonna be pretty close and 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 pretty quick early. I totally agree. And Kamari's a horse that I really liked. Tamari's a horse that I liked as a two-year-old and now what she's five. So to be following a horse's entire career and have been a fan from the beginning, um, look, she's she's obviously very talented. You have Wesley Ward, Joel Rosario, they're nine to two on the morning line. You might be a little bit shocked by that, but exactly what you're saying, what changes this time? She's gonna get the same type of stalking trip. As you said, Lady Rocket is drawn inside. She has to go. Center aisle, I don't trust her to get out of the gate, but if she does, she's going to mm-hmm. be closer to the pace. And I just don't see things changing for her this time out with the same types of horses that are going to be running late that are good closers. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We're looking at obligatory and just one time in the Derby City Distaff. Uh, Sarah, anything else to mention in this one before we get a, an Oaks and a Derby thought from you? I think that's the end for this. Yeah, race. it's it's a good, and there are. I do feel like those two kind of feel like a top tier, and then after that, like if for some reason Edgeway decided not to go and Lady Rocket got away, well, she could be tough, and vice versa. If Lady Rocket had a bad start from the gate, and we know Center Isle doesn't get away all that great sometimes, and Edgeway ended up on the lead, she might be tough. There's there's a couple that could get the trips and absolutely win, but. I didn't find enough excuses from the horses coming out of the Madison. In fact, it felt like just one time had excuses for not winning that race. Absolutely. And I think that if they had not all faced each other in the Madison, it would be just like when I talked about this race beforehand, where I'm picking Lady Rocket to possibly be sitting that stocking trip, or I'm looking for a horse that is the lone speed. But after seeing what we did in the Madison, I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I'm going to look at these really strong finishers. That's one of the big races on the undercard for Saturday. But while we have Sarah here with us, we have to get her thoughts on a couple of the big races. Uh, what a really good group of fillies we have in the the Oaks this year. I mean, I would not talk anyone off of having a strong opinion of, on any one of four or five different fillies that they might have been following through the last couple months and seeing them really succeed. Which direction are you in or give, give me a couple horses how you're looking to play that race? Oh, what a contentious, classy group of three-year-old fillies and uh, an absolute treat to have this be the first Kentucky Oaks that I see in person with so many qualified, amazing talents in there. And I don't know how often it is that we see horses, um, three of them, I think, that are undefeated in their careers facing off in here with Echo Zulu, uh, Shahama, Kathleen O. But I am all in on Kathleen O for the Oaks. I would even go as far as to single her in a lot of different multis, uh, depending on what her odds are, possibly make a win bet myself. Uh, This is a horse that kind of really put me in a good position early on on Twitter. I singled her in a pick five just based on how she looked that day. Ended up hitting said pick five for a $12 ticket. Was kind of a little bit of my coming out party on Twitter. 
for a lot of other people to take notice and sort of um, propel me to the next step in my career. So everything that she's done since then has just been incredibly impressive. And to have a horse that is so responsive to what a jockey says, wait or go or whatever it might be that Javier Castellano is asking for her and for her to listen like that and for you to see it. Uh, when you have a horse that makes you feel like that, what makes you feel like this is what racing is all about. That's a, that's a horse that I'm going to ride until she loses. Uh, Sarah and Matt, big fans of Kathleen O. Mm-hmm. Matt DeSantis, who I speak with every week. And I know you, uh, you talk with too. I, I said, Matt, when I spoke with him, uh, my best bet or my safest bet all weekend long is that your pick for the Oaks is Kathleen O. And he was laughing. <laughs> I said, so I know that was uh, the one wager I wish I could have gotten, uh, I could have gotten down on. So she's super talented. All of these fillers so nice. Like if you're a fan of Secret Oath or Nest or Echo Zulu or any one of them would be no shock. I'm sure we all like one or two more than the others. The one that as a price on, on one or two of my pick fours and pick fives, I'm going to throw in nostalgic just because I really feel like if anyone outside of that top group wins, it could be really nice in a, you know, pick four, pick five type situation. And I do think if you dive into her, that she has some, like everything really makes sense for her. She won. And then she ran into a group that was a little bit too tough. They all came back. They were maybe a little ahead of her. Then she went to the bench for a few months. She comes back. She runs on the grass. That doesn't work out. They sort of put her in a soft spot to build up the confidence. And then she stepped up. She won against the tougher group. And if she takes just another little step forward on the progression, I think she could be right there, save ground, and at least hang around for a slice at maybe 15 to 1 and uh, spice up some of your uh, exactas, tries, and supers there. What a, what a good group. Just a cool. Absolutely. I've been almost as excited, as maybe even more, for the Oaks than in the lead up for the Derby because we just kind of playing it out in your head. It's like, oh, we're going to get Kathleen O. And Echo Zulu and probably Secret Oath if she does. Oh, and Nest was awesome. So it this is what these type of races were were made for. Seeing all of the best horses from around the country that have beat up on their local contingents come together and see who's really the best. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is what racing is all about: is getting groups like this together and really finding out who is the best of the best. And with everyone's strongest convictions of who they think that is. Uh, there are a few that would really truly surprise me in the Oaks. I think that you have a great strategy in wanting to find a horse that is probably putting things together at the right time. And nostalgic, nostalgic certainly fits that bill. And also looking for a price within the exotics. uh, That's a great strategy as well, because so often people like, well, that's the top four and that's it. But somebody else is going to show up and kind of split those big four and Mm -hmm. offer some value underneath. So some of those friends that maybe will call or text you once a year are going to call or text you and say, Sarah, who do you like in the Derby? You know, you're going to say, I haven't talked to you in a while. Like you just see me starting to post about racing stuff. And now you're asking me my Derby pick, you know, but um, so uh, I, I get a lot of those. I know us horse racing people, we, we get a bunch of those come Derby or Breeders' Cup. I'll, I'm in Southern California. So I'm my, a lot of my school that I went to is right next to Santa Anita. And so a lot of my friends, what I grew up with or went to high school, they'll go to the Santa Anita big races. I'll get, I haven't talked to you in uh, a, two years. Oh, how you doing? Gino? who do I like in the fifth race? So I, I always love those. Um, how are you leading in the Derby after uh, the race that gets the more analyzed than any other race in, in racing? Um, do you have any strong leans or give me a, a couple that you might be using? 
Oh, well, I totally agree with you on the people that come out of the woodwork that want your, uh, want your hot takes for racing on the one race where people pay attention or if they're paying attention for that day. I actually already had that happen with a friend being like, I know the Kentucky Derby is this week, uh, who pays no attention to racing at all, but saying, who do we like? They're like, hey, can you at least just go back and like like three of my posts on social media <laughs> first before you asked me, you know, just make, make it seem like you're trying, you know, come on. <laughs> right. Uh, too funny. Um, but yes, I am a big Zandon fan. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised with that. I feel like a lot of people are as well, that he is installed as the morning line favorite. I don't know that he will be the post time favorite. I know that a lot of that really depends on where mattress Mac ends up putting his money. Um, to me, epicenter is clearly talented, has done nothing wrong. The ability to rate in the Louisiana Derby was ultra impressive. And I think something that he's going to have to employ, but the post draw of post three inside of a lot of the other early speed, namely summer is tomorrow. It doesn't seem like his connections are concerned with that, but I'm a little concerned with that. Me too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Zandon draws perfectly right in the middle of the field. And I don't know that he is this deep closer that a lot of people are profiling him as he has shown more tactical speed early on in his career. He is, I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the uh, Ron Flatter pod, but he's run this mile in an eighth distance that he's been at three times. So to go around a ground and his four career starts three out of those four times, to me, it shows that they're building a really solid foundation. He has woven through traffic. He's had dirt kicked back in his face. He's overcome adversity. He's been in tight inside like he was in the Remsen with Mo Donegal. And he has shown up each and every time, even in the, uh, the Risen Star not breaking. So he's dealt with the adversity that I feel like a lot of others haven't going into the Derby. I get it if you want to look for a price outside of those two. Uh, I think those two are your likeliest winners. But for my long shot, obviously my craziest long shot of all scratched out. And a lot of people are making the joke that I've been saved a ton of money. And maybe I have uh, with Unoho no longer being in the race. But now I'm looking at Charge It. Uh, I don't know that mm -hmm. that 20 to, 20 to 1 morning line really holds whatsoever. I think that he's going to take a certain amount of play. But as one that I would look at as a horse that has all the potential talent in the world and it might be putting things together for a big performance. I don't know that he wins, but I think he certainly shows up again and continues to improve in here. And I know a lot of people are talking about him already as their Belmont horse. Well, I, I like the some of the things that you've said, Sarah, because if you paid attention to our fantasy draft that we did with Matt last night on my team, I was the first overall pick. I picked Zandin, and I also have Charge It. It was my third pick, so I like a couple of the horses that you mentioned. And, I I mean, Matt must be paying me for all these plugs I'm giving him right now. Seriously. <laughs> I will say that I did see the poll of who made out the best with their derby draft, and I did mm -hmm. vote for you. Thank you. I've got I've got the lead so far right now. Um, but, yeah, and this this will sort of sound goofy when I say it, but if you just think about it for a minute – I think Zandin is the most likely of the top horses to run a good race. He's probably not the most likely winner just because maybe some horses who have a little bit more positional speed are a, a, a li more likely winner, maybe one or two. But I am very confident that he is going to run a good race, whether it be a top two, three, four. Maybe he gets in a little bit of trouble or something, but he will come running. I think we are going to see that. And that's why in like a fantasy draft scenario, I picked him because I felt pretty confident, like in stable duel, that he's going to get me some points. 
And I do feel mm-hmm. like some of the other shorter priced horses have more of a chance for like what we said could happen to Epicenter. If a speed horse crosses over and that horse has to take up and all of a sudden he's six lengths behind, which he's never been before, is he going to be able to overcome that? Right. That's a great question. And I haven't seen him overcome enough for me to have as much confidence in him at a shorter price. He obviously has a world of talent. I'm rooting for Steve Asmussen to get his first Derby win. I think this is probably his best chance to do so. But I want to ask you while we're talking quickly, what do you Wait. think of this year's pace? I I think the four is faster than people realize. Yes, I agree completely. I don't think, and 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 now I'll give uh, my buddy Darren Zocali a little bit of credit for just sort of like trying to re like reiterate this point in that we haven't seen as many of these like sprint speed horses since the point system changed up. But if yeah. you look at uh, Summer Is Tomorrow's races. This horse has been on the lead at six furlongs. That's what he is. He is a legitimate Mm -hmm. sprinter with speed. And I can't imagine the plan for him is going to be anything else but that. This isn't one of those horses who has a little bit of speed or has shown speed like overseas. This is legitimate sprint speed. Like I think he's going to be on the lead. And I don't, I think there are some other speed horses who, or tactical horses who think they might get cozy trips that aren't going to get those kind of cozy trips. Yes, I agree completely. And I saw what Darren had said, and I I agree fully with his sentiment. I talked about this horse a little bit yesterday and a little bit on Twitter as well, as I see him as the key to this race. I see him as the most important player because this race, he's going. And everybody else has to make a decision about what they do. Do they go and use their horse to challenge him early? Do they think that they are going to be in front of him? Because I don't. Do they take back and then he kind of creates this sort of accordion effect where everybody has to bunch up behind him and he can stick around. That was his first time routing in the UAE Derby. And I don't see him as a legitimate win contender, but I think that he is the controlling puzzle piece of this race. And I think a lot of people are really underestimating him. That's why I'm a little bit more okay in this particular group with some of the closers like Zandin, um, uh, you know, a couple others. Like I'm, I'm not as... I'm not as against the rail draw with if you liked Mo Donegal, I don't think you should dislike him because of the rail because I don't know if it's going to crush him all that much if if the field is strung out a little bit and he's mid pack to the back, I don't know if and he gets to save the ground. I'd prefer that than the outside. So I I like some of you know I, I'm giving him a shot. You mentioned Charge It, who I'm going to be using on a lot of my exotics on a lot of tickets. I guess the two horses who I'm trying to figure out what to do with are the uh, the Santa Anita Derby horses who I still. I'm I'm sort of probably in some spots, but I'm I'm not in love with them. But would Messier or Taiba shock me? No, I there's some weird stuff with Taiba kind of leading up to the race with the work stuff and Joel on and blinkers and little things here and there that I don't I don't know if I love, but I would none of neither of them would shock me. But yeah, Zandin, Modonigal, probably gonna be towards my top tier, some charge it in the mix there also. And uh yeah, we'll we're both seeming to be a little a little cold on Epicenter. Like of the top tier contenders, I'm just not quite as high on him as some of the others. Yes, I fully agree. And I think it just it just speaks to how um, competitive this field has really turned out to be. And I think a lot of years in the past, we have really seen that standout superstar already stamping themselves as the likeliest winner, the most deserving favorite and going on to prove it. We've also seen a lot of horses win wire to wire or up close to the front. And I think this year is different because of the presence of horses like Summers Tomorrow and a lot of owners and trainers and connections really planning to go out front early. 
And if everybody has that same plan, it does set up for a lot of these horses that are going to be further back. Sarah, you have so much going on over at Horse Racing Nation. And uh, now over the last couple of months, we've seen Ed DeRosa, I guess it's been yeah, around that time period, join the, uh, join the team over there. And we've just seen a lot more content and really, really good stuff coming out from HR Nation. Tell us about how things are going over there and some of the stuff that you guys have this week for the Derby. Oh, it's great. It's so exciting to be a part of a company that is already well-established within the industry, but that is trying to expand more of its handicapping products, more of its handicapping content and knowledge. And that's a big part of why I'm here as the official title, Handicapping Content Coordinator, to sort of bring those ideas together and help really unify our products that we're continuing to develop and create new ones for, along with actual video content of handicapping different races that Ed and I put out along with others that um, offer some different insight and opinions into the game as well. And then I know that they really want to take a, an educational direction going forward and really continue to bring more people into the game, which is kind of a vision that I also share. So it's just a really exciting time to be a part of a lot of really great minds that want to push racing racing's future in the right way. Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I know it's a, a busy week and everyone's got so many different things going on, but it was an absolute pleasure. We've only uh, interacted a few times on uh, some different live streams, but I'd love to get you back and, and talk races with you as, as often as you're uh, as you're willing to come back. This was a pleasure and I, I think you do a great job. You're an excellent follow out there and uh, I, I, I love seeing that you're like I said, you're, you're yourself, but you're willing to learn. You're very positive. You're not negative at all. Like there's a way that we can be critical without being negative, right? I think people don't, everyone, we, you can critique things, but not have to be just really, really negative about it. And you and Ed have a really good chemistry and a good back and forth. I enjoy all of your stuff out there. Oh, well, thank you so much, Gino. And I think that you really are a person that embodies all of those qualities as well, as far as wanting this game to be more open and more inviting and just being a generally good human and something I wrote about a really long time ago before I started at Horse Racing Nation was that all the problems within horse racing really boil down to human problems. And yeah. if it starts with the individual person, then that is what can make a difference. And I know that that's something that you agree with as well. Completely, 100%. Sarah, we uh, have been so lucky to have you. Sarah Elbadwi from Horse Racing Nation. Make sure to give her a follow on social media. She does a fantastic job out there. You can follow her on Twitter at Outrun the Odds and uh, make sure to follow everything they've got going over at Horse Racing Nation. You can follow that on Twitter at HR underscore Nation. Anything else you want to mention uh, before we get out of here? I think that's it. I, I appreciate you having me on so much and it's a pleasure watching uh, you and Matt talk about different things, talk about Stable Duel, talk about all your different ideas and opinions and I've learned a lot from watching the two of you. So if anybody is watching this on uh, my own Twitter feed that isn't following you and Matt already, I would highly recommend doing so. Thank you so much and I uh, look forward to many future conversations with you. I hope you crush it this week. Good luck and uh, I want to see some of those uh, those ticket scores being posted. Of course, I hope so too. Thank you so much, Sarah. Do not go anywhere, folks. Uh, make sure to give her a follow on social media. We still have a lot to come on our Saturday Derby Day preview. Thank you to Sarah for helping out. She does a great job. Make sure to give her a follow over there. And yeah, I would upgrade Lady Rocket now and uh, really make sure to use in, uh, Lady Rocket in exotics along with uh, the other logicals you know, that, that we mentioned, obligatory and just one time. So... Yeah, that's that's how I see the 
eighth race now with the scratch. Just one time obligatory, but let's upgrade Edgeway a little bit there. I mean, again, I'm not giving you anything too crazier outside the box, but that scratch does change the complexion of the race. We're going to get to race number nine next, and we're going to talk with Chris Larmy. Uh, before we do, we want to mention Santa Anita Racing. Every day that there's Santa Anita, you're going to be hearing about it here on That's What G Said podcast and on social media. If you follow me, it's me, Gino B. Santa Anita action this weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I will have Santa Anita racing along uh, along uh, on a podcast with Louisiana Downs, with some NBA, and with This Week in Wrestling, if you're looking for that. That's what's great about uh, that's what G said podcast. It's not a horse racing podcast. These episodes are very horse racing centric for the Oaks and the Derby, but every episode is always really a variety show of uh, everything going on in the world of sports and pop culture. Let's get to the grade two American turf with Chris Larmy. Three-year-olds going a mile and the 16th on the turf course. A really fun field signed on. Chris joins to break this field down and to talk a little Oaks and Derby. We call it the podcaster jinx. As soon as you you know you're about to start recording, the uh, the gardeners in uh, in one of the the local yards always got to turn that lawn mower on. It's just like a it's an automatic. <laughs> so you know it's gonna happen. And you know one thing, folks, that anytime there's a big racing day, he's become a mainstay on that's what G said over the last few years. We go way back though. We used to uh, link up on the the uh, the short lived Elite Racing Network. But right away, I always enjoyed talking racing with uh, our next guest. Chris Larmy. Uh, one thing I love uh, about you, Chris, is uh, I think we look at the races. We don't always land on the same horses, but with sort of similar mindsets, lots of things that are very important to you when you play price, pace, just kind of checking a lot of the boxes to see if the, you know, the race is going to shape up for that particular horse and always looking at each race, trying to beat the favorite, trying to find how we can get the most value out of it. Yeah. For me, it's all about you know, value and trying to, to turn a profit long-term, maybe sacrifice cashing a few tickets um, in turn, you know, in return for when you do cash, you know, making enough to overcome the frequent losses you're going to incur along the way. To me, that's, you know, the betting side of it's just as much fun as the handicapping. And mm-hmm. I get it. Some people just want to pick the winners and that's, they just find that puzzle challenging and, and they don't really care about the betting side so much. But to me, you know, they're both fun. They're both challenging. You put them both together, and it's the greatest game on earth. And uh, one thing that's uh, that's really nice uh, about Chris is he has a, a couple different places where you can check out the, the content that he has uh, on social media at Derby1592, uh, 159 and 2, better, uh, better way of putting it. But uh, if you follow him on, on Twitter, it's at Derby1592. And he actually is the chairman of the NHC Players Committee and the co-host of the uh, the Sport of Kings podcast, which I've been on a few times with uh, with Chris and Scott Carson. They do a great job over there, always uh, diving into the biggest races each weekend. So, Chris, uh, just a really nice Friday, Saturday coming up. You and I are recording this on Wednesday, though, and like is the case on a, on a lot of these big days around the, the country, we, we will probably have some weather to deal with. At some point, it looks like Friday might be a little bit more wet than Saturday, so we'll keep our fingers crossed that hopefully by the time we get to the race that we're going to discuss, the American turf, that it's not all that impacted and it doesn't really uh, change the complexion of the race all that much. Well, they invested millions in this new turf course, which supposedly right. 
is supposed to drain much better than the old course. And from what I've seen, it looks like there's a chance that the rain may stop in the morning on Derby Day. So it'll put this new turf course to the test and hopefully they'll get their money's worth. You know, we know that the main track on Churchill, if it stops raining before the races start, you can almost be assured that it'll be fast by the time the Derby rolls around. So, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed. Yep, well, and uh, Chris and I will be talking about the ninth race on Saturday at Churchill, so we're looking at May 7th's Churchill card, the Grade 2 American Turf, which is a really fun race for three-year-olds. They're going to be going long on the turf, and I think for someone like you, grass races are probably even a little bit more fun to dive into because in, in having lots of discussions with you, you like to watch a lot of trips also, and you'll try to find some hidden trouble here and there, and you can get a little bit more of that in the grass, generally you get a little bit bigger fields too, and it's a little bit more wide open. But I feel like you can you can find some hidden form and some uh, maybe horses that can improve with the little pedigree surface switch. There's just a, a couple, like some more things for me when I'm looking at turf races where I can find 15, 20 to one shots that I probably won't find as much on the dirt. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think dirt racing, I think, is a little bit more predictable. And you can be a little more confident, you know, leaning on favorites in, for, you know, exotic plays, especially the horizontals. On the turf, I tend to think it's a little more wide open. It's a little bit easier to find some value. And uh, it's a little dicier to, when you lean on favorites sometimes because, like you said, in the big fields on the turf course, there can be a lot more trips than you'd have on the dirt. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Right? I mean, in just like a really basic sense. That wide trip on the dirt will work a lot if you're the best horse. You can sit a little wide, you can give up a little ground, and you can win. On the turf, if you start giving up ground, you're just not going to win. You're, yeah. you're not going to sit three or four wide most of the time and win races. It just doesn't work that way. So, yeah, it all it really does come down to the trip. You can find some hidden stuff and uh, lots of troubled lines as we dive in to the grade two American turf. Let's talk about these three-year-olds on Saturday. So, Looking at this race, Chris, so uh, w- why don't you start? I mean, we've got a really nice field here signed on. I'd imagine horses that'll take a, a good amount of support will be Portfolio Company, uh, a Chad Brown runner with Joel jumping aboard. This horse was only 4-1, to one, about 9-2 to two in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Didn't run that well that day, but had some fine form before that. Side Dog is undefeated for Grand Motion, kind of stepping up now uh, against the toughest field so far main event down towards the inside will probably take a good amount of support in here uh, those are horses who will be you know favored or uh, or backed to heavily toward uh, at the windows who are some of the ones that you're looking to play in here well of those three i think portfolio is kind of a standout among those three um chad brown has been pointing his horses to these Races at Keeneland and Churchill, I'm sure at New York as well. Um, he's really been doing well. He's comebackers. This horse has showed a lot of talent as a two-year-old, and he has tactical speed. I, I'm thinking they may be a little bit conservative early with him because he's coming off the layoff, but he should get a good trip. To me, you know, Psy Dog is undefeated, but I wasn't that impressed with his last race. I don't think on a number standpoint I he's that you know, he's not any faster than the rest of the field. So no. I think he's, he's, he's tough to under- knock, right? Like, so you can't really knock what he's done, but I just, I don't love him at what's probably going to be a shortish price. Yeah. Especially when he's going to be coming from behind in a big field traffic. And yeah. And so he could certainly win if he gets the right setup, but I, I, to me at a short price 
I do think the morning line's way off that the those two portfolio company and side dog probably going to go off much lower than nine to two and seven to two. That that seems a little bit um, optimistic if you're interested in those two. Um, and you know, main event is a, is a nice horse, but I think uh, you know certainly uh, he's probably not going to on the front end outrun portfolio company. And I think there's another horse that could actually be on the lead in here. So I, I again, I'm a little bit negative on main event as well. So of those three favorites, you know, I'd say portfolio companies really hard to leave off your tickets, but I'd be tempted to fade the other two. Okay. Let's get past uh, some of the, uh, the obvious logical horses. Um, who would be some that, that you're interested in, in using in, you know, late, this is an important race. So it's race number nine, which actually will kick off the late pick four, which is, which will end in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. This will be in the middle of that late pick five and that late pick six. So a very important race, as far as the exotics are concerned, who are, uh, some that you'd be looking to throw on your tickets. Uh, yeah, it's mind blowing all the picks they have. Right, you know, I know the two days and they got the all turf race, the yeah. all turfs now. They're doing the three dollar <laughs> pick three. There's this dirt pick five. There's the Derby Oaks. There's the what? Yeah, it's you know what? They'll give us all chances to uh <laughs> to find the 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 best value that we like. So that, I guess that's cool. That's what they're doing all over sports wagering now too, right? Every game, all the props, all the different ways you can play. I I guess that's the uh, the future. Yeah, and I, I think the key is don't necessarily participate in everything. Kind of handicap the cards, see the races where you have the strong opinions, and then yep. look to see attack those. You know, what, yeah, how you can attack those. And um, so I mean, just it, it's it is fun though. There there's so much going on, and the races are so good. So anyway, I it, it's kind of hard to separate the rest of the field. You know, they all kind of look the same, which was, is not unusual in these turf routes. That's why it, it typically comes down to trip. So I kind of landed on two price horses probably that um, I like the most. One that I'm probably the most interested in is the 11 horse Doagic Chief. I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but um, this horse, if you look at its form, whenever it can get a lead with a reasonable early pace, it's really tough. Um, his last race was that Jeff Ruby stakes, and that was kind of a crazy race. It was basically a pace meltdown race. They went crazy fast early. This is the horse with setting the pace. But if you look at it, all the other horses near the pace just completely spit the bit. And this horse, you know, didn't got tired, but it actually ran fourth. I thought was a very creditable race in and, you know, on the synth going really fast. So to me, that last race is a lot better than it looks. And if you go to his prior race where he got, you know, the lead, he kind of drew off impressively. And again, if you look back through his form, he's got a couple races where he wasn't unable to get the lead in fast-paced races, and he and he was beaten. But anytime he's actually gotten the lead and, you know, it was a reasonable pace, not crazy fast, he wins the race. So in this race, if... um. Uh, from that 11 hole, they almost have to send. That's what I mean. And I never mind when a horse is that style. I really don't mind it when they're outside because it, it basically forces them. Sometimes it can be a blessing in disguise to just give them a, a little bit of a kick in the butt to get to get going and get aggressive early. Yeah, I like it. I like it. They draw, you know, inside or outside with the speed because it does kind of force the hand. When it's a horse that you want 
to be, you know, to sit on the lead, this, right? If you're yeah. if you don't if you want him to be sort of off a little bit, then that's probably not where you want because then you get hooked wide or you get sort of shuffled. But if you want that horse to be on the lead, I, I would like him inside or outside, sure. Yeah, and if he does get the lead, if you look at his past performances, he's he's very dangerous, and he could get completely overlooked in here. Like I said, I think they're going to bet. The portfolio company's not going to be anywhere near nine to two. I mean, that horse will probably be four to five or even money, and Side Dog will be um, not far behind. So that's going to push the odds up on everybody. So, you know, I'm not saying this horse is the most likely winner or a mortal lock or anything, but I think it's the kind of horse you can use. Might actually pick four, pick five type horse. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, uh, to me, that, that's kind of interesting. So then, kind of on the opposite end of, that horse the other horse i'm interested in is the horse down on the rail smoking tea just because being on the rail in a race like this if you can save ground at both turns and somehow work a trip uh it's a big advantage um you're like we talked about ground loss really does matter i think a lot more typically in a turf race than on the dirt there's the kickback's not an issue especially in this brand new turf course you know you, if you can save ground it it's really beneficial you, you get you get to draft in behind horses. You get to save all that energy. You know, the, 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 the price you pay is you're rolling the dice a little bit in terms of being able to, you know, find a clear run when you need to. That's where the jockey is really important. You know, guys like Irad and Rosario, they're the best. But Johnny Velasquez is not a bad rider either. Um, and, you know, he jumps on for this one. I like the fact, you know, Suge McGahee is – kind of a, a trainer that doesn't push his horses nope. um, early on in their careers. And this horse has, you know, steadily been improving. And you like to see that in these three-year-olds. They're, you're always looking for some upside. And, um, you know, his last race at Gulfstream, he kind of got shuffled back to last. And the race, the horses that, you know, on the lead uh, main event will be one of the favorites in here, kind of had it all his own way. And, um I think it'll help him to get away from Gulfstream. So from the rail, I think that horse will be sitting, you know, mid-pack. If he can find a seam late, that's another one could be a big price that uh, I think is as good as anything else other than, you know, the probably the two favorites. So Inside and outside are both horses that I, I would want to include in uh, in some of the late exotics. Let me give you another one that I think could be fun to throw in at a, a big price. The three red run. Uh, this horse is a turf horse. So I think we can put a line right through the synthetic race last time out. Uh, you mentioned it was sort of a, a weird pace. And I think this horse just had a legitimate excuse. Didn't like the synthetic. That's the only race on there. It wasn't good. Put a line right through it. I, I like the fact that. He's had a lot of recent races and then a couple months off and then a race and then a couple months off. This is going to be the first time uh, in his last four starts where he's going to put two starts together. He's going to go second off the short break. He gets back to the turf. Two starts back, he won in a a pretty decent race at Sam Houston, and he beat a couple of uh, common rivals in today's spot, and he ran very well that day. Prior to that, he was on the dirt, and what's funny is his dirt and his dirt form, and he has a win on the slop, that's generally how turf horses perform on the main track. They're usually okay on the slop sometimes, and they're and they're usually okay at Churchill. The way the Churchill track plays out, turf horses actually play pretty well there. So it's it's not that weird to me that he's actually run well at Churchill and he, he's done okay in the slop. I think he's he's in basic in the most basic sense, Chris. If you look at his best turf buyer speed figure, which was an eighty six, 
There are three horses in this race who have an 88 And it's so he's right in the realm Of what it would take to compete I think he's going to put a couple starts together And I think he fits pretty well in here Some folks might look at Tiz the Bomb And think Oh you know I probably don't like Tiz the Bomb in the Derby But you got to keep in mind That that really isn't relevant To looking at Tiz the Bomb And and stacking him up as the competition for Red Run Because Tiz the Bomb in synthetic races Or in turf races He's really, really nice And so those are tough That's tough spots for a Red Run To have to deal with Tiz the Bomb multiple times I'm definitely going to use this horse in, uh, in pick fours and stuff I think he's in this type of a race Give me 12, 15 to 1 on him um, I'll, I'll take a swing Yeah, and I think you'll get that maybe more And mm-hmm. um, you're right, I mean his numbers fit. He has been kind of a weird managed horse, especially yeah. given his trainer, because he has all these gaps in his running line and they try him on dirt and they try him on turf and they try him on dirt and they try him on turf and they try him on synth. I mean, back and forth. It's been weird. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird managed horse, but I, and he drew a pretty good post. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing wrong with the three hole. So I wouldn't talk you out of that one. I mean, if portfolio company doesn't fire, it's, it's kind of a, a wide open mm-hmm. race to me. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked by any result at all. And that's why I think, you know, this is one race where um, it could chalk out. And in fact, there's a good chance it might chalk out. But if it doesn't, it could be, you know, one of these races that produces a, a giant price, like yes. a red run or a smoking tea or, or a, a Dwayne. D- 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 yeah. Is that you say yeah. That? I mean, look at the two back again. Look at the, the two back turf race. Is as good of a Dewegiac Chiefs win at Fairgrounds in March is as good from a speed figure standpoint of a win as any horses race in any as any horse has run in any race they've run as good yeah it's it's right there and so when you look at horses that maybe they're not and I think just from following you and and watching the some of the the way that you that you play and and I do the same thing I'm not always looking for the horses that are necessarily going to have and sometimes you'll find it, but the most consistent form, because those horses are probably going to be shorter prices. I'm looking for horses whose form might be a little bit inconsistent and they'll have excuses for why they didn't run all that well. That's where you get the price built in. We we look at the two horses that we mentioned and we, they both are coming out of uh, the, the Jeff Ruby stakes. And we know that was just sort of a weird race. They went quick early so we can make an excuse for Dewegiac Chief, we can make an excuse for Red Run because it was his only try on the synthetic, and he just didn't fire at all, and he just never got involved in the race, and that was a really bad effort. So you just put a line right through it. That's those are the type of horses I like. I, I get enjoy I enjoy playing because you know you feel like you have good reasoning, and you feel like you you might be finding something or digging a little deeper than maybe most people will want to dig. Yeah, I think you made a good point. Consistency tends to get overvalued. In the paramutual pools, so you tend to, you know, get an underlays with the consistent horses, and inconsistent horses tend to get undervalued, I think, and you you do tend to get a little price. You just have to catch them at the right time, and like you said, have some reasoning as to why you think maybe the horse has run poorly in its last few efforts, why it will be different this time, and, and maybe, you know, the horse will run better. That's what you're always looking for, because, you know, that hidden value, that kind of muddied up form. That's when you can get a price on a horse that actually has a legitimate chance to win. That deep closer caught uh, three races in a row where they were chasing lone speed. That speedy horse caught three races in a row where the paces were wicked hot up front, and now they're lone speed. You know, and people might look and go, "Well, they got beat. 
They were 5th, 8th, and 10th They got crushed Well, yeah, they had to deal with crazy hot paces early on Or, yeah, they, they didn't have anything to run at So those are the things we're trying to dive into We're trying to dig into You'll always hear stuff like that from Chris Larmy On the Sport of Kings podcast So uh, before we move into the big ones Anything else to mention about the uh, American turf here, Chris? Uh, no, I, I think we covered it pretty well you know, yeah. I do think there's a strong favorite But after that, you know, the, the portfolio company Anything could happen And this is exactly the kind of race that can, where you can get a big price on a big day like um, Saturday. Yeah, because I think the sense that I'm getting from you, and I feel the same way, is that it, it's kind of like portfolio company, and then there's this next tier of horses that are like main event, side dog, Bolitnikov, and I don't really love them. I kind of I, I'm okay with portfolio company, and then big prices afterwards. I'm not really a big fan of the horses that might be like. The two, three, four choices in here So I'm I'm going to go probably With combinations of portfolio company And then some bombs I think the yeah. way that, I, that I'll play it Yeah, and you're getting some value Because I do think they're going to bet Psydog pretty heavily in here I think yeah. he'll take a lot And yeah. the other two you mentioned Main event, Volnikov Probably going to be clear third and fourth choices So if you can get past them Even if portfolio company wins Underneath in the exactas, if you can catch a big price, you might get some value. And who knows? Maybe the portfolio company doesn't fire or gets a bad trip, and and you you score really score out. Yep, and we uh, we gave you a couple different possibilities there that could all be really nice prices with uh, smoke and tea, red run, and then Dewayjack Chief there towards the outside. Good luck to everyone in the American turf. Let's turn the page and uh, let's actually before we get to the Derby, talk a little bit about the Oaks. Real quality group of fillies this year Huh Chris I mean four or five that are Just would would be Heavily favored Most years but there are Four or five really good ones so they're all gonna Take a lot of money there's been some talk About the morning line it feels like we might Have four horses in The three to one To five to one range Or so yeah, I would think so. I mean, from a, a speed figure perspective, this is a really fast group of fillies. I mean, they stack up reasonably well with the Colts. Um, you know, several of these in here, I think, would be competitive in the Derby. So, yeah, I think from a quality perspective, it's good. And and, and there are, like you said, probably four horses that are going to buy for favoritism. And you know, I'm not sure which one's going to go off as the favorite. <laughs> what do you think? Who do you think is going to be the favorite in here? I would say be. I mean, I think be, because Secret Oath was six to one, she's going to take a ton of money. But it's going to be between Secret Oath and Nest. I would say. I think it's between those two. I th- I wouldn't be shocked if they're both three to one. I, the more people I keep hearing talking about Kathleen O and. I'm not quite as as high on her. Um, I think she may be a little bit. I know that the Sheets players think that she's ripe for a balance based off of her last race. So curious kind of. But I, I, I think it would be between Nest and Secret Oath. And it's funny that we're talking. And I, I don't think Echo Zulu, your undefeated Breeders' Cup champion from last year, who's done, who has never lost a race. But her comeback just wasn't quite as impressive as as some of these other fillies have been impressive recently. So she might be seven to two. Kathleeno seven to two. If I were putting it, I would say Nest uh, three to one, and then the other three like seven to two and four to one right behind her. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would have guessed Echo Zulu will go off as the favorite. Just yeah, uh, I just because I mean she's an undefeated champion, two year old, 
won her three-year-old debut. I, I'm not saying I like her to win. I'm just saying. Off I the reputation. Think, yeah, that she would be. I was surprised she wasn't the morning line favorite. But I, I just don't know. I, it's really yeah. hard to tell. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they bet these horses in the double with the derby, too. That, that will be interesting as well. But it, it does seem pretty wide open. At, and, it, and at the top end, there's some really good horses. And there's a couple others that you can make a case for beyond those four. So it's an interesting race. Any uh, early leans for you? Well, I've always been impressed with Secret Oath. Um, I thought she had a horrendously bad ride. Yeah, pretty much in all her races. And that, and that was being kind. You were you were being kind with the horrendously bad there. <laughs> and you, you know this, the the rider had given Lucas some bad races on Ethereal Road too. So I think the switch to Saez is yeah. is really really big. I mean, it's hard to over emphasize how big of a change that is you go from a a rider who just is not at the level you know the championship level to one of the top riders in the country that's that's really big and this is a horse that really if you had had louis saez on this horse she'd probably be in the derby right now because she probably would have won the arkansas derby so um, and if she would have just gone to the the fantasy which would have been the next Stepping stone for her against the Phillies And she would have won that grace With just a little bit of progression That's That race She had already defeated those Phillies Who were in that spot She would have been the favorite in this race I'm sort of surprised that just because of that Not even bad race in the Arkansas Derby They have her at, It's not even that she's the Third or fourth choice It's just that the difference between her And the others that she was six to one and the others are five to two, seven to two, and four to one. That just seems way too far of a difference for me. Yeah, I mean, and if they do better down, she, I, I'm not saying she's a win bet if they better down, but six to one seems like, you know, if awesome. the morning line holds up, that's a pretty good price. I mean, this filly has a really nice turn of foot. I mean, for a dirt horse, she does have that, you know, extra gear or two. And even in the race where she lost, she put this spectacular move on the turn, you know, going six wide trying to circle the field. Understandably, she was a little bit tired at the end, and she might have a little bit uh, in terms of distance limitations. But you know, I've heard well she's over the top. You know, she hasn't run a bad race this year, and she's training real well. So, uh, you know, if the morning line were to hold up, I think she would be the play. I'm not saying she's a standout. There's lots of other you know quality horses you've mentioned like Nest and Echo Zulu and and Kathleen O, but. You know, drawing the rail, I thought was great too for this horse. She can settle, and um, you know, saving ground is not going to hurt her chances. So if she gets a you know a better trip than she has, even the races she won, she didn't exactly get the best rides. Um, I think she'll she'll be really tough. So of the favorites, you know, that's the one I'm probably the most interested in. Um, uh, you know, and I think there's a few long shots you can make a case for too. But you know, Secret Oath, she's a nice filly. Okay, so give us one. If it wasn't the, we'll say Secret Oath, Echo Zulu, Nest, and Kathleen O. If it's not one of those four, who is it? Uh, I have to go with the the kind of wild card, the thirteen Shahama. Oh sure, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. And she is getting some buzz, but she's been trying. I mean, I saw, I didn't even know who she was. And I saw a tweet that was showing Goddess of Fire's workout. And she dusted thought, her. <laughs> yeah, I thought, wow, 
the the horse that looks like the you know a potential Oaks winner isn't Goddess of Fire. It's that horse yeah. she's training with, and I, and I found out she's in the Oaks, and her name's Shahama, and, and I and so I went back and looked at races. I mean, she she's really nice. She gets Pratt. Um, she's moved to the Pletcher Barn. She's settled. She's been over here for a while. I mean, I don't think she could be training any better. Right. Uh, you don't know how good she is, and this is a tough a tough field for sure. But to me, you know, that's the interesting horse outside the favorites that, that, you know, who knows? Yeah. She, Pratt has to work a trip, but he's a great rider. The, she comes from out of it. So I think, you know, she could still get a good trip. The positives that you mentioned, right now in the Pletcher barn, Pratt jumping aboard, been here for a while. It's not like this horse just came over and those races of, or uh, my buddy Darren Zocali was mentioning too. If you the jockeys just sort of like looking around, you know, just re- the races visually are extremely impressive. We you have no idea what caliber she was defeat defeating and if she's going to be able to keep up with these early. But she sure looks the part out there. I'll mention just one uh, that I'll probably throw in in at least one or two of my pick fours and pick fives to close with. Uh, nostalgic, who I think you can, you know, she's going to maybe need to progress a little on speed figures, but if she can take one more step forward, just sort of like she did from March to April, and she's not too far off there, her races, you can kind of look at it and make a couple legitimate excuses. She won first time out of the box, and then she ran into Nest and, and Venti Valentine and Magic Circle, who were probably just a little bit better at that time, and because they all came back to win, and she went to the bench for a few months, showed back up on the turf. And you can just put a line right through that race and, and came back in sort of a softer spot at Gulfstream, got a nice confidence building win. And uh, and then she ran down Venti Valentine in the Gazelle. I don't think the distance will be any issue for her. And she might be able to just get a nice cozy trip down towards the inside, saving some ground. I'll probably throw her in some exotics as my if uh, as maybe my one or uh, or two price places, price plays to use um, with the uh, with the logicals in here. This this has been a race, Chris. I've been like equally excited for as the Derby in in the prep months coming up because all of these Phillies have had really really good uh, months and weeks leading forward. Yeah, I I I totally agree that this is uh, although it does seem like the forecast for the Oaks Day is a lot less um, favorable than Derby Day, so. It could be a sloppy or muddy track. I'm not sure how that will impact these horses. I'll have to take a closer look at that. But um, certainly the quality's there, and you know it. It'll be real fun to see how they how the race unfolds. Okay, let's talk about the Derby. Then you had some excellent success talking Derby um, last year here with some of your futures. And um, do you have any futures alive and rolling this year, or do you have a strong opinion in the Derby? Yeah, I actually do have um, one future. I made the play a long time ago, and it's worked out <clears throat> really well up until now. And that's the, excuse me. No problem. Take your yeah, time. You're good. Uh, the 10 horse Zandon. Um, oh, not, not, not a bad spot to be in now, right? <laughs> right. I, it's nice because he's getting all the buzz and he may, you know, be the favorite. But I don't really care because I have a big price. I got him at 58 to 1. So, that's, you know, I'd love to see excellent. him win the race. And I picked, um, we did a, uh, which was kind of a fun idea, uh, one of our friends on, on Twitter, Matt DeSantis, uh, we did a fantasy Kentucky Derby draft last night. So there were four of us, and we picked from the, the field of 20, we each just went like a normal fantasy draft, and we did a snake draft. I got the number one pick, 
And then we went in order and snaked all the way back Until all 20 of the horses were there And so we each have five horses on our teams And we're gonna We, we created a little point system To uh, to score them based on how they finish And uh, and my I picked Zandon overall I think he's just the most likely horse To run a really good race in here And to be right there at the end He Could he deal with some traffic And, and maybe run second or third? Sure But I think he's less like one of the reasons I picked him in that format too I think he's less likely to be like a speed horse That gets burned up He just feels like he's coming into the race perfectly With the pattern The what the third off, the layoff He stepped forward And uh, I, I like him a lot in here He's going to be on um, like all of my tickets And I'm sure a lot of people's But you did a great thing In, uh, in, in getting him at a much better price Yeah, I mean the And he has a good rider in Flavian Pratt And, and Chad Brown Certainly knows how to train you know, the one, the negative is obvious is that he's going to have to pass a lot of horses and work a trip from, you know, in a 20 horse field. That's always the, the challenge with a horse like this. But I think certainly given the, the, the performance he had in the bluegrass and his rider and the fact that it looks like there's going to be at least an honest pace, if not a fast early pace, there's a good chance he can work that trip. But that's always the dicey part. Why? You know, I'd be if I were didn't have a, a future book play on him, I probably wouldn't be betting him to win at the price he's going to be, just because of the uncertainty around the trip. But um, definitely, he's coming up to the race with the kind of buzz, you know, almost like what you had with American Pharaoh. Um, everyone just just raving about how he looks in the morning. I'm not an expert eye in the morning. I've been trying to improve in that area over the last few years, and. Before he was getting all the buzz, before he even got to Churchill, I, I kind of tweeted out just watching them. He was the best mover of the bunch, and, and he certainly has proven that um, to be the case once he got to Churchill. So I wouldn't argue with him as the pick. I actually don't think he's the most likely winner um, and probably not the best bet at the post-time odds, but definitely he's one of the four horses, I think, with a real legitimate chance to win this year. It, it, it kind of feels like this is a moment. This could be a weekend, like a real, real big weekend for Pratt. You know, he just made the move from Southern California over to Kentucky, and then to, he's going to go to the East Coast. He's going to be riding a bunch for Chad Brown. We see him on a ton of Chad Brown horses this weekend. He's on what it will probably be the favorite in the Kentucky Derby, and it just it just feels like this is a moment. For him maybe to say oh hey everyone Look I'm here I'm here now I'm kind of uh taking the Taking the the racing world by storm So I it, it almost feels Like it's just setting up really well For Zandon to get the big Win there but like you said I I would not bet this Horse to win I'm let I'm Going to do exactly as you did I'll, I'll Use probably three or four in my Pick fours and pick fives he will be One of them because I think he is right In that top tier but if I'm picking a horse to bet to win at this point, because I'm not getting the 58 to one that Chris got, I'm getting more like three to one or seven to two. I would be looking elsewhere. Talk, let's talk about a couple of the other horses that you want to use in exotics. Well, I'm curious, you know, since I started, let or we kind of talked about Zandon. What's the horse you're thinking about that might be a win bet? Okay, so what you have? There are probably two that I'm going to just be curious on the price, and the one that I think. Um, I'm going to get a much better price on on now is Modonical. And I, I I liked him 
coming in And I think because of the rail now It's just going to scare a lot of people off And he could absolutely Get into some trouble down there But with his running style I think he's going to be able to save a lot of ground He won't be wide at least And if the the horses towards the outside of him You've got Epicenter and you've got The the four who's probably going to be very Very quick also if they just Go and he drops back to Mid pack or so I think he could Be fine in a strung out field Sometimes it's worse if you want to be really Close up as we were saying in mid pack I don't know if his running style Will hinder him all that much and I Feel like I'll probably get a better Price on him well I will get a better Price on him than I would have had he drawn Somewhere 10 and out so I'm not Going to let the rail discourage me We've seen horses win the derby in the last Few years with you know Break all of the curses that there were I I don't think with the right type of trip We know there's that new starting gate That they haven't used very often So things may be a little bit easier for horses Down inside if he is 12 to 1 plus I'll probably make a win wager on him I I agree with everything you said I think uh, in fact, we did a Derby preview show on the Sport of Kings pod, and we talked about Modonical. And I said I would love to see him draw inside, because his best races have been—he's done it, sitting on the rail. He can take the kickback. Irad's really good at saving ground. He's really good and really aggressive at and that's, finding the exactly. Seams. You know, he's going to try to find a way through. And, and you know, to me, saving ground in the Derby. Is more important than any other race. You again, you're rolling the dice a little bit, but I would much rather have a horse get shuffled back a little, especially a horse that's going to be near the back of the pack anyway, mm-hmm. and save ground around both turns versus being a horse going three or four wide, which a lot of them will be in this field. So, I you know I I don't I think it was a plus drawing the rail now. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have to work any kind of a trip early. He's going to be back. Near the back of the pack, regardless, and he's got the rider that can, uh, you know, be aggressive when he needs to be to get off that rail when it's time to start running. So, I totally agree. His chances, I think, improved with the draw, and most people think the opposite, which means, you know, you're going to get some extra value, which is what you're looking for. Win or lose, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to to gain any kind of advantage or a, a little bit of an overlay here. With Mo Donegal who yeah There's very little knocks I have on His a lot of his races and what he's Done I mean he beat Zandin as a Two year old in uh, a Remsen that's come back very strong so far He showed up in the Holy Bull And he ran basically Exactly what you'd expect from a horse making their First start of the year with much Bigger plans down the line they drew Wide in the Fountain of Youth I'm not sure if he was really sick But they sort of said that he had a little bit of an issue And they ended up rerouting to the Wood Memorial Whatever the reason being He ran very well there He ran down a horse who was Looked like they'd gotten the separation And looked like they were going to get they were gonna get the victory And he put you know, This will be second start off the bench Just He feels like really under the radar Even before the rail draw Like he just felt like of the top of the horses that I think are top tier contenders, I just didn't hear as many people talking about him. And now with the rail draw, I saw so many people just immediately go, Oh, no, no shot. Sorry, Mo Donegal, toss him. Please float up a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, just talking about the rail and the derby, uh, you mentioned the new starting gate, which I think sort of eliminates that one quirky part of. You know, possibly getting pinched early because of the way the the you know the gate was angled. That's gone away now. You've got the same clean run as everybody else out of the gate. 
the history of the Derby, the one hole I think is one is more than any other. Um, now, a lot of those races weren't worth the full field, but still, I mean, and then even recent times, I mean, who's overperformed more than any rider in Derby history in recent times? It's Calvin Bow Rail. And how did he win? He won on the rail with Super Saver. He won on the rail with Street Sense. He won on the rail with Mind That Bird. One of those was a stalker. One of those was near the back of the pack. And one was in a different zip coat early. So there's there's precedent all over the place for horses, you know, riding the rail and winning the derby. And you've got a rider that's really good at that and a horse that's good at that. So how can that be a negative? I don't get that. And so, you know, you're getting some value, I think, for sure, because of that post draw. Chris, uh any other uh, mentions in the uh, in the Derby as horses that you'll be intrigued by, or maybe ones that you don't like? Yeah, I'll, I'll mention a few others. First of all, um, of the, the so two two of my like from the closing standpoint are Zandon and Modonaga. We talked about those. The t- the two frontrunners I like are the Baffert slash Yachtine horses, Messier and and Taba. I. I love Taba. I really do. I think he's just an immense talent, the best horse in the race. Um, you know, three weeks ago, I was ready to just stone cold single him in the Derby. I just thought he was much the best. Um, I still believe that, but when they missed a workout, that really gave me pause because that's not typically what you're going to see from a Bob Baffert horse. So after that, I was, I don't know what to do with this horse. Um, uh, he did make his workout was okay. It was about like he worked before the San Anita Derby and his long work before that. Still on the fence. I wanted to see what is he doing when he gets to Churchill. I was really happy that this morning they they did a little blowout, which tells me they're not babying him up to the race, which is what I was afraid of. Um, and if you look at the blowout, it's almost identical to what he did before the San Anita Derby. In fact, I think he looked better in this blowout than in that one. So I'm starting to warm back up to him being the best horse. Maybe he is healthy and ready to fire. So I think if he is, he's going to win. And he's going to win impressively. Um, uh, it's still a bit of an if, but I would make him the most likely winner. And because, you know, he's not the favorite, he probably at best will be third choice, likely maybe even the fourth choice. I think there's some value there. Maybe not as a great win bet, unless he floats up to like double digit odds or something. But um, I think he's very talented. He reminds me an awful lot of justify. And yeah, he does that. The first race is the one Chris to me that sort of, and I'm not going to, I didn't play him in the San Anita Derby, but I did like his first race in that it wasn't like some easy, Oh, just get right to the lead and win or sit second, just off the speed and crush. He actually had to kind of battle in between horses I felt like it was a race he he got a lot out of, and he sure did because he stretched all the way out and went by more seasoned horses in the Santa Anita Derby, which was really impressive. Yeah, I mean the thing impressive about him is that he he goes fast early and he finishes late. I mean his 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 come home times are as fast as closers, and I do a little model where I sort of project out how fast I think they'll run in the Kentucky Derby and. You know, he projects out really well because he can run fast early and run fast late. You know, and that's really big in the Derby because you can get that position where you stay out of trouble, um, you know, and you still have the ability to finish. And that's a pretty powerful combination. I tweeted out 
uh, last night that of the last eight derbies, the horse, you know, entering the stretch run on the lead has won the last eight derbies. And, you know, that's uh, kind of a negative for like Zandon and Modonigal, but for Taba and a stable mate, Messier, you know, one of those two, I think, is probably going to be in the lead when they enter the stretch. I'm not saying that that, that means they're going to, going to win. A lot will be depend on what happened up to that point. But to me, it could be an instant replay of what we saw in the Santa Anita Derby. Um, and that brings me to Messier as the other one, I think. Uh, if Taba isn't 100% healthy, uh, to me, Messier is that front runner that's very dangerous. I mean, if Taba had skipped the Santa Anita Derby, Messier would probably be the favorite in the San, in the Kentucky Derby. And yeah. so keep and he, running exactly the race he ran. He ran a good race. He just got beat by, I think, a superior horse. And if that superior horse doesn't show up, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be the one that wins the Derby. So, you know, to me, that's the four. I'm kind of kind of fade epicenter a bit. I think he's a little overrated. I don't think he's a bad horse. I just don't see him, you know, being a better speed horse than those two or holding off Zandon and Mo Donegal late if they get a trip. So as the likely favorite or at least second favorite, depending on whom Mattress Mac bets on, you know, that's the one I'm going <laughs> to I know, right? And and then things I, are going to change. <laughs> yeah. And then I do have one other long shot in here, but I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think Taiba is, I'm, I'm been warming more up in the, the recent, just because, the horses, like you said, there's just so little wrong. The some weird stuff in the recent training. There was Joe El Rosario was up in the morning, re, just getting on the horse this morning before you and I talked. Uh, they, I think you posted too. There were like blinkers on and then off, kind of back and forth stuff. Just, just some quirky stuff. And and then you you wonder the the one thing I think just to mention with with Messier, which I also think is is really worth discussing. You know, he was in a real holding pattern for a while because. They didn't know what to do. The, the ba- he was a Baffert horse. He is a Baffert horse. He was a Baffert horse at that time. He's a Yachtine horse now. But they were sort of waiting to see if Baffert was going to be able to run his horses in the Derby or not. So they were waiting as long as possible with Messier. And then once they found out, they had to shift the horse over to Yachtine. He might be ready to take a step forward off of that kind of they were waiting, waiting, waiting. Then he raced. And now they've at least been able to. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we're gonna go. Um, I think he's got a little something to to show. I, I was he's another that I was a little colder on early, but the more I've just seen the field take shape and I've I've sort of stacked them up, he'll be in a lot of my exotics too. Yeah, well, I mean, he uh, even if he doesn't take a step forward, uh, he can. I think he's run just as fast as anybody in the field, other than a stablemate. So if a stablemate doesn't fire. I think he could win even if he doesn't. But, I mean, he's a classic Baffert horse. I mean, he's trained up to the race uh, well. And, and running second in San Diego Derby has worked out pretty well for Baffert the last two years. You know, he's had the winner with Authentic and Medina Spirit, and they both ran second in San Diego Derby. So, and Johnny Velasquez has had a lot of luck um, with Baffert slash, I guess, Jack Teen now um, in the Derby recently. So, I don't know how you could possibly leave that horse out of your plays. Uh, there's a very good chance he'll be that horse on the lead, turning for home. Uh, and like I said, they've won eight of the last derbies, and I think three of those have been with Baffert and a couple of them with 
Johnny V and the Iron. So hard to leave that one out. Chris, tell us uh, all the uh, the stuff that you've got going on this week and uh, and everything about the Sport of Kings pod. Sure. One last thing, though, I will. Throw oh, please. Out, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I talked about the uh, the shipper uh, in the Oaks. Well, I really like Crown Pride as the. Price he looks good. Horse. He looks good, man. Um, uh, to me, this horse, you know, he's been he's won at a mile and eighth or farther. He has three wins already. So, you know, no other horse can say that. And, you know, he started his career at a mile and an eighth and his only loss was going a mile which was, I think, too short for him, on a sloppy track in a race where he got completely pinched off and left at the gate. Uh, and I thought his UAE Derby was impressive. He got slammed around a little early, but he was forwardly placed. It wasn't like it, uh, it was a fast pace, and he wasn't that far off it. And he was parked wide, uh, basically around one and a half turns. So, uh, and I don't know how good he is. I, I've talked to some friends who've tried to do some figures, um, on that card, you know, he's not as fast as, you know, like the the top horses in here, but he's not that far behind. I think he has a lot of upside. He gets a great rider. And, you know, the Japanese horses have been doing well all over the place on the dirt. Everywhere. And and Japanese horses, unlike European horses, which are most of the horses that come over here from the UAE Derby, they're, you know, these horses are bred and meant yep. for the dirt. And this is horses is one of those. And he's one going two turns on a left-handed dirt course. I mean, there's just so much to like about this horse now other than, and he's been training really well. And I love the way they train the horse. So, uh, but he's getting a lot of buzz. I'm just not sure what you're going to get, but if you get the 20, 25 to one on him, he's the one you include, I think at a price. Um, and it would that, be good. Uh, you know, we spoke a little bit about this, uh, um, uh, right after uh, the we recorded with you with uh, with Andrew and with Darren when we talk about the the Turf Classic, it would be really good for racing in general for one year for the the Japanese contingent to win a Derby because they would continue to put a ton of money into it and it sort of force uh, the Americans to sort of look at the way that we breed horses and what we're doing there and maybe change a little bit of things. It, it, there maybe be a little competition going on. I think that would be good for everyone. Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time. Who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. it won't be that far off. Maybe it only, uh-huh. it's only a few days away. But um, if it's I not this horse, it's coming soon, right? Yeah, I I agree. And I I, I liked well, the other thing I liked is they brought him over like a month early, just to totally acclimate. So there's no jet lag or anything like that. He's totally acclimated to American, you know, time zones and racing and stuff. So. Yeah, there's a lot to like. I, I'd be real interested to see how the horse runs. You never know. I mean, he has a tendency to break a little slow, which is not good in the Derby. That could compromise his chances. But he's not a plotter, and I really do think he fits. And, um, and he seems to be coming up to the race really well. Uh, in terms of what we've got going, we already we have a, a podcast out already under Sport of Kings. If you look at like iTunes or Spotify or whatever where we kind of went over the derby field in advance of the draw with nice. Maury Wolf, who's a really sharp player and had a lot of good insight. And then we are doing a, uh, a another uh, podcast on Friday, going over the, the pick five that ends with the derby uh, with Andrew, Andy Beyer. So, uh, you know, that'll be a blast. You know, he's sort of been someone who influenced me as a horse player and probably many others out there. So, I'm really looking forward to that podcast um, as well. So that's kind of what we have going this week. 
looking forward to it. Sport of Kings is always on my uh, my routine. It's always on my checklist to to toss on and uh, get your guys' thoughts on the big races. Always like being led to a price or two that probably wasn't on my radar. And uh, I always appreciate the time, man. You you always give me a good amount of time. You come super prepared, and I enjoy talking races with you and and really diving into it. And uh, you like. Like I said before, you'll always sort of lead me to one or two that maybe weren't on my radar. So I'll be uh, I'll be tossing some of your plays into my pick fours and pick fives. And I hope you have an awesome weekend. Good luck to you and your family. I love seeing uh, how everything's going on with your son. And I wish our uh, Pac-12 teams could have done a little bit better in the tournament this year. I thought I thought we had teams that could have made a, at least a decent run, but we, uh, we didn't play all that well when the time came down. Yeah, that happens sometimes in the Especially in the one game, right? Just like yeah. one bad day, maybe in a series we would have been able to wear teams down like we see in the NBA, but uh still still bright future for uh, uh Arizona and for USC and that's a podcast for another day. We'll be listening in uh to the Sport of Kings and we'll be following along with Chris on social media this weekend. Thank you so much, buddy. You have a great week and good luck. Back at you. Thanks for inviting me on, Gino. Uh, do not go anywhere, folks. We still have a lot more to come. On our Friday, Saturday, Kentucky Oaks and Derby preview shows. Love doing these shows. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge by. Fantasy come true But no, no, no Stable Duel Download the Stable Duel app and play today Really enjoy the talking it out process With Chris Larmy Always looking for some value See if we can get Red Run home We'll also be using uh, Doagiac Chief Towards the outside The two main event I'm a little warmer on than Chris And then the five Bolichnikov I'll be using Second time in the U.S. there, but the three red run—that's the play for me. And anything over ten to one, I'll be making a win rage, a win wager on red run. We move along on to the final race that we're going to be talking about on this episode. It's going to be race number ten, the Churchill Downs, with Craig Milkowski. Craig joins us uh, always on, on big racing days, and generally we talk about sprint races with Craig. He makes figures. He knows about the fast horses on the dirt. He's a big Jackie's Warrior fan, and Jackie's Warrior shows back up here in a spot that looks pretty good for him on paper. So let's see what Craig Milkowski from Timeform US thinks about Jackie's Warrior's chances in the Grade 1 Churchill Downs. Getting deeper into the Saturday Kentucky Derby card. We were at Churchill Downs on May the 7th. And we are up to race number 10. It is the grade one Churchill Downs. So anytime we've got a big day, Oaks, Derby, big days, uh, big weekends all around, Breeders' Cup weekends, we always save one of the real juicy sprint races for our good buddy, someone who joins us on this show many, many times from Timeform US, Craig Milkowski. Craig, we got a nice, uh, a nice contentious sprint for you today. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Yeah, you know me. I always like the sprint races. I've had some luck with you, uh, not so much at the Breeders' Cup. I think it might have been the last time we talked the sprint race, but that's horse racing for you. And yeah, they're always my favorite races because I've always been enamored with speed and, and we got plenty of it here. 
So, Craig, we're going to get into race number 10, and then we'll uh, we'll pick your brain a little bit on the uh, on the Oaks and the Derby. But tell us what kind of stuff you have coming up this week, uh, Timeform US, with your, the, the podcast, Pacecast, other content you guys have, uh, Derby packages. Give us, uh, give us some of the goods. Uh, so I pretty much finished most of my recording today. Uh, me and David Aragona did our Timeform US Pacecast. Normally, we do a recap of all the racing from the weekend, but we kind of blew that off this week. Because we did a deep uh, dive on the Kentucky Derby. We basically went through every single horse, gave our thoughts on it, and then kind of gave our top four at the end. Uh, We also recorded videos, something I haven't been doing much of late, but we did a a briefer version of a Kentucky Derby uh, analysis and also one for the Kentucky Oaks. I saw the Uh, folks on Twitter begging for the video. They were demanding yeah, it yeah, I don't, out there. I don't know who the heck wants to see my face, but I guess there's a couple people out there. So we did them, and, and I think they should all be out by the uh, definitely by the time people are listening to this. They'll be available on the DRF YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcast. Those uh, millions and millions of uh, DR are the other. Uh, pace cast the, the forecast and the pace cast fans there they uh, they come out in droves there one and more video one and more great info from craig and from uh, from david both of whom going to be part of the uh the derby and oaks handicapping preview shows that i've got put together so craig let's uh let's dive on in to that good 10th race that we're going to be talking about it's a couple races before the derby on saturday so it's a really important one as far as any of those late exotics, anyone that's playing like the big pick six, pick five, pick fours. This is a pivotal race involved in all of them. And this is a really, really strong race, I thought. Um, when you know you got Jackie's Warrior, who made the return to the races earlier this year. This was the horse who was your favorite in the Breeders' Cup sprint. And he just didn't fire that day after a tough year with some tough campaigns. But he came back and was Got a, had a nice prep race and a, a nice prep win on April the 16th. We've got the horse who won the Breeders' Cup, Aloha West, who's making his first start of the year. Then you have kind of a couple new faces in the division, like a reinvestment risk, who's had a, a couple really nice races uh, this year. Prevalence, who's won back-to-back, and Cezanne, who's capable of a pretty good effort sprinting. I thought there were some real quality horses in this group. Yeah, no doubt. I, I was a little bit surprised. I assumed when I saw the entries and saw Jackie's Warrior, I was just expecting, you know, a six to five, seven to five tight morning line. But then when I looked at the rest of the field, I kind of saw why outside of really, I guess, one horse and Sir Alfred James uh, and I guess long range Toddy to a lesser extent it would be kind of disregarded by most. But the others all seem to have pretty, really strong credentials to win a race like this. Uh in the end, I went back to my old buddy, Jackie's Warrior. I know he disappointed me in the Breeders' Cup, but it's just a race where, despite the depth and the quality of competition, for me, it was hard to get past the, the fact that there's just no other real speed Completely. in this race. Who goes with him early? Who Who is quick enough to try to keep up with him early on? And I just can't see who. I mean, we like it mind control, prevalence, and reinvestment risk. They all want to press a little bit. And I think reinvestment risk might look like he's a little quicker than he is because he drew the rail last time out. And I think they wanted to just go from there, make sure he didn't get shuffled and get in a bad spot. And so I don't I don't know if he's gonna be right there with Jackie's warrior. He's probably more sitting and I, I really agree with you, Wall. I respect the heck out of reinvestment risk. He's actually 
earned some really big figures and numbers, and he's run some good races. Speaker's Corner is heck; he's one of the better horses in training right now in uh, in the U.S. But I just I don't know who can push Jackie's Warrior early on if this horse gets out of the gate and you know and, and is able to get that smooth like he's cruising speed. You you look up and you're like, wow, he's going that fast. He just he looks like he hits it at like pretty effortlessly. Yeah, he's. I mean, I was impressed with his comeback. A lot of people visually were not, and I wasn't, to be honest. But when I sat down and did the numbers, he was flying up front. So it was uh, okay for me that he got a little bit tired at the end. And it might seem a little uh, counterintuitive that stretching out the seven furlongs could possibly help him a little bit. But he's a horse who's proven to be able to stretch his speed up to a mile and I actually think at this longer distance, he can actually relax a little bit more, mm-hmm. have that that speed reined in a little bit, and still be clear on the front end. So for me, I, I don't think we're getting anywhere near that two to five. I would think we'd be lucky to maybe get three to two, eight to five. I yeah. would be happy with that on him. And I'm actually, it's kind of hard to pick who I would like to play in exotics because I am a vertical player. Um, and, and all the other horses are just so bunched up. That it's hard to say who I would use, but I would tend to gravitate more towards the horses who are going to be a price. Uh, I doubt Aloha West is going to be one of them. He's a, he's going to get bet, but he's a horse coming off a six month layoff. I, I'm not really sure that he's going to be fully cranked up for this. He's a horse who has never really had a layoff in his career before. So it's the tough. rail might be kind of tough for him too, right? With his running yeah. style, he may have to come all the way around or if he's mid pack, maybe you have to worry about that shuffle a little bit. I think, I think I'll, I'd be more interested in him in, in a race or two later in the year. Yeah, for sure. And the others, I, I would try be a little bit leery of the horses who were likely to be pressing uh, Jackie's warrior, because at some point they're going to have to go after him. Mm-hmm. And that would take his toll. So for me, that might be prevalence, might be the closest up, and maybe even reinvestment risk. Uh, but it's just going to come down to price. I will throw a, a crazy horse out there. Maybe I hinted at it a little bit earlier, and that's long-range Toddy. I was actually pretty impressed with him in the Commonwealth last time in the slop, how he was able to come back and get second in that race at just crazy long odds. But what really stuck out to me is he's a horse I, I've kind of written off his career on more than one occasion. He won a division of the Rebel back three years ago as a three-year-old. Uh, sorry, one of my dogs is going. Oh, no, they're just saying hi. They're just saying, hey, hey, hey. I'm all, we're dog-friendly here on That's What G yeah. Said. No problem. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, long-range long Toddy just kind of ran off on the front end. I mean, ran off on the front end. He won the Rebel. And then he kind of fell off is what I was getting at. And he's yeah, tail off for sure. Yeah, he's kind of hit or miss. He's thrown his spots. But what struck and stuck out at me before my dog interrupted was he actually ran a lifetime best career, best time form U.S. speed figure last time at 116, which is something we don't often see horses get to uh, at six year old. They don't kind of reproduce those efforts. So. I have an interest in him, in him in exactas and trifectas uh, as a horse who can really make it juicy. And I think you hit on a really good point, Craig, because I think sometimes when we look at the past performances, you see, okay, Jackie's Warrior probably going to be in front, and then these other horses, they'll be sort of sitting third or fourth or wherever in a good spot. But it really doesn't work out that way when you have to chase a horse like this. If there's another horse or two maybe – Softening up Jackie's warrior doing the dirty work Then I think it it would work out nicely For the horses sitting but as you Said if 
If mind control or prevalence or reinvestment risk, if one or two of those horses try to go after Jackie's Warrior early and they're in chase mode, they probably aren't going to be around late because they're going to be having to go a lot quicker early on than they're used to going and and probably have a tough time keeping up there. Yeah, it's one of my the underrated bad trips for me as mm-hmm. a handicapper is the chase horse, the horse chasing the lone speed horse. Um, it, it just doesn't usually work out, particularly when that lone speed horse is likely the superior horse. And particularly when I look at a horse like reinvestment risk in time form us, the only times he's ever been up close, the fractions have all been coated in blue. It's a slow pace and it, it just isn't going to be that way. Uh, Jackie's warrior is a horse who goes fast, whether there's other pressure in there or not. It's just the way he runs. If you tried to rate him, it would probably be a disaster. So yeah, it's just going to come down to the tote, but I want the horses who aren't going to be closest to him and might be making that late run to try to fill out the exactas and the tribe. Okay, so we are recording early in the week and we're talking about the race on the Saturday undercard. We'll get to the Derby in just a second. Let's uh, let's uh, jump in the DeLorean and go back in time a little bit to uh, to Friday and let's go to the Kentucky Oaks. We have a real quality group in the Oaks this year, Craig. There's like that nice top tier of... This is sort of what the Oaks and the Derby in these races and the Breeders' Cup are sort of meant for. You have really the top fillies from all over. You know, the, the fillies that did well at Gulfstream, the one that won the local at Keeneland. You've got Secret Oath who took on the boys there last time out. So you just got a good, good mixture of all of these fillies who have been dominant all over, and they now come together. Who are uh, Who is one or a couple that you're looking to uh, to play in the Oaks? The horse I'm leaning to, towards most heavily is Secret Oath, the one you mentioned who tried the boys last time. I'm not sure that I'm going to get six to one, but I would be happy even down to four to one. Yeah. And I, I kind of look at her this way. Had she not tried the boys, she very likely would have run in the fantasy stakes against Ujiri. And I suspect she would have won, and she probably would have won pretty easily. And had she done that, she would likely be like your eight to five morning line favorite in this race. But because she got the ran against the boys, she had a, just a terrible trip. Um, and to be frank, it was a brutal ride. Yeah, she it wasn't great. A, a major rider upgrade here. And I just think people were forgetting how good she was in those two prior Oakland races where she just really developed as a three-year-old and looked like a completely different horse. Uh, it actually started her her last race as uh, last day of her two-year-old season. But I just think everything I saw in the Arkansas Derby told me it was the same horse we had seen prior, just some more difficult circumstances. So I think she's going to be the value. It's a deep field. I mean, there are some other horses that can win. What do you do with Echo Zulu? I, I, I mean, know. So in your opinion, I mean, Steve Asmussen obviously thinks that was, you know, he sent her out as a prep race last time and thinks she's going to run a lot better. and. You know, who am I to argue with him? I'm sure he knows what he's talking about, but do you want a short price on her? So, no, yeah, think about not her. really. And in, in, it, it's so funny because, like, she's literally done nothing wrong. She was good last year. And, and then maybe it's because I'm so clouded by what we've seen with all of the two-year-olds on the on the boys' side this year, how they a lot of them came back and just did not run well from some of their races last year. That Breeders' Cup has been like the anti-productive race. You know, all, all those horses who have come back. Although I do think one of them cutting back this weekend may have an okay shot in a, in a different spot. But yeah, I, I don't 
I just don't love her quite as much. I'm Secret Oath is going to be in all of my exotics for sure. And I and I think I do think Nest is pretty talented, so she'll probably sneak into some of mine if I was going to look for a horse that could be that won't be one of the top 4 prices that may give you a little value. I do think that Nestalt like there's something there with the the the, the Mott horse and and so that would be one who I wouldn't be against, yeah. but yeah, Secret Oath for me is definitely in the top tier. I think you hit the the number too. For me, I kind of pegged her as like even off of that bad race, if I were doing the line, and I'm not, I'm glad I never want to do that kind of thing because nobody ever tells you you do a great job with the lines, right? Very rarely. Uh, David, the, your your, your uh, podcast partner, does a fantastic job, and he gets them done early. And But it's one of those things where it's like you're like a referee. There's very rarely someone that's like, that was a great refereed game, right? They, they only get on you when it's bad, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the other thing for me with the Oaks is just a couple of the horses who I think are strong contenders for sure, uh, including Nest and including Kathleen O, who have just done very little long, wrong, look really good. But when you look through their past performances, you wonder just how much they're flattered by the, the complete lack of competition. So it, it's a fascinating race for me and one I'm looking forward to. Probably as much as the Derby. Completely agree. This has been one over the last couple months, just seeing each of these quality fillies, because knowing that, you know what, whoever, whomever you like in here, I I mean, I don't think Nest is going to be shorter than that morning line. And because I think that Secret Oath will take some of that money. And I wouldn't be shocked if you got a couple horses around three to one more, more likely than than one horse sort of dominant in in odds over the others. So I think Secret Oath will get a little bit of money. You know, you're gonna get the Kathleen O money. You know, you're gonna get the the Ness money and um yeah, one or two others will also, like we said, Echo Zulu, we keep having conversations and she's just not even really in the top of them, but she hasn't done anything wrong and she has every right to improve off of that effort. A real quality oaks coming up on Friday. So let's uh turn the page back to Saturday. Craig, uh, let's go to the Kentucky Derby this year. Sort of the the short prices and the horses that are going to take a lot of money in the top tier contenders. Epicenter, Zandin, uh, a couple of them. Um, you know, how do you you see the race shaping up from a, maybe like a pace perspective? And uh, give us a couple of the horses that you're looking to use. Yeah, I'll try to keep this brief because, as I said, there's a couple things out there where we talk about all the horses, and in the end, uh, I'll kind of go down the top four that I made. Shockingly to me, the more and more I watched the uh, Taba race, the more I just couldn't get away from him. Uh, I know he's got a lot going against him. It's only his third career start. But for me, the talent is just there. And it seems like I suspected after the Santa Anita Derby, he might be a horse that was in the five to one range. But I'm starting to doubt that. And I really think he's going to offer some value. I, I don't make any differentiation between him changing to the Tim Yachtin barn. All the work's already been done. Tim Yachtin is a, a very good horseman. He, he's not going to mess it up. Uh, so if this horse is ready, I, I just really liked what I saw. So he was the fastest horse on my speed figures. He did it with a wide trip most of the way. And he just seems like a horse who can run forever. So I, I think he is going to run a big race. What he did from from start one to start two and – you know, I I'm not gonna say that I played him when he won the Santa Anita Derby, but he definitely impressed me in the debut because you see a lot of times horses like him who are the really nice, highly regarded Baffert horses or a Pletcher horse or and they they're in sort of small fields and they get that trip where they're 
right on the lead Or maybe they're sitting second just off And it's an easy perfect trip And then they draw off And you don't really know how good they are And they get a big figure Taiba actually in that debut race Don't know who, who they beat or how good the field was But had to kind of battle in between horses and work And it wasn't just that easy Perfect trip sit right to the outside So I I thought they actually learned a little bit From that race and that's not going to be The same as the Kentucky Derby here But it wasn't as if this horse got just Easy perfect trips through a couple And hasn't been tested or challenged at all This horse had to go by uh, A seasoned more proven Experienced runner last time out I'm becoming more and more warmed up To this one too Craig yeah, a couple others that I like as well. Uh, I really do think the pace is going to be hot, and I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, the four horse. Summer is tomorrow. He is, in my opinion, a throwback to the old derbies where we had sprinters entering the Kentucky Kentucky Derby, and I think he is a sprinter uh, first and foremost. And I think he's going to go and and go fast. So I do think he's going to set it up. That's why I like the horse like Taiba, who it just seems like he's relentless and can wear him down. And then I also picked a couple closers underneath of him. I'll start with Mo Donegal. I know it's coming out of the wood and people don't like the wood. And I know he drew the one post, but the former doesn't really matter to me. And the latter, no. if a horse can run good from the one position, it's going to be a horse like Mo Donegal because I don't think it's going to matter. He's going to drop back anyway. He's going to get the safe ground without having to work his way in. And I really do think the field's going to get strung out. And I really like the way he was able to run down a loose early voting last time. He showed me a lot with, with that run. He gets Irad Ortiz, who if there's any jockey who can save ground and find a way out and, and sometimes force his way out, which might be necessary in the Derby, it's him. So I think Mo Donegal is going to run a big one. The other one is no real surprise. Zandon, the morning line favorite, I went with him third. I worry about his trip a little bit more than I do Mo Donegal, just because he's a horse who just doesn't seem interested early. I know he had trouble too back in that Risen Star, but even last time he was way back at the back of the pack. The horses behind the one or two that were behind him early just aren't any good, to be honest. And He's one that I think is a little more likely to run into some trouble. I know some people disagree, and he's kind of the hot horse, and everybody's talking about his works, and and I think he's a really good horse. I'm picking him third in the Kentucky Derby, but of those two closers, I prefer him to Mo Donegal. Yeah, I I sort of agree. I I, I mean, the other way around. The other way around. Mo Donegal. Mo Donegal is probably where I'm leaning right now as we are early in the week. See, he was my top horse coming in. He drew the rail now, but I'm not quite as like against it as everybody else. And I think that'll actually be fine for his price. Like he's not going to get bet down or anything because of that, because there are going to be so many people that go, oh, he drew the inside. He's not, he's not got like, he's not quick, but he's, he's not a stone cold, slow closer. Like I think he can at least sit mid pack. 10th 11th in that range And not be dead last I, I'm to- I'm really worried about Zandon In like being in the 15th to 20th range Early in this race and just having to pass So many horses Yeah and for me it's not just as he's going to be 15th to 20th He's probably going to get caught wide around the turn yep. And he's going to have to work his way in And then you got to work your way back out So I mean we'll see He proved he's a really good horse at Keeneland he was dead last, I think, at the top of the stretch and won by a couple lengths. So the finishing kick is there, but it's different trying to pass a few, you know, the horses he did in the bluegrass and passing a, 
a full field of Kentucky Derby horses going an extra furlong. So good horse. And the main reason I didn't pick him on top is that I just think he's going to be overbet a little bit more than mm-hmm. I much prefer the odds on Mo Donegal and even Pete. So uh, how do we finish things up here? You said you had a, a top four. Who who do you have in the bottom of the exotics? Well, I always kind of have to throw in a bomb that I think Absolutely. I'm in, in the vertical plays. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was the only person in the entire daily racing form selections page that mentioned country house. So I kind of have to stick with that strategy. Awesome. Awesome. After he won, I think I had him third or fourth. It's not like I had him picked on top or anything. But that's all you needed just to, right, throw him in some of the exotics and that spiced it all up for you. Right. But the uh, the horse I landed on this year is Tawny Port, the 18 horse. And it's just, again, it goes back to that. I really do think the pace is going to get hot. I think it's going to take a toll on on some of these horses who are going to take some money. Like we haven't talked about Epicenter. He's a horse that drew inside. He's going to be up close and he hasn't really run particularly fast early in any of his races. Now he's run good races. His speed figures are well or high, but he just hasn't run quick early. So, and the one time he did, he got beat. So I'm a little concerned for a horse like him. I'm more looking at the closers, particularly when I think the two horses up front, uh, we mentioned summer is tomorrow. I think the other will be classic causeway who was a late entrant and i just really think they're going to gap the field and that the field won't be as bunched as it is on a lot of years in the derby and maybe we're going to have some cleaner runs for him so it was tawny port for me i liked how he took to the dirt last out in lexington he ran fine he did so with some trouble on the first term which is always a good sign he didn't beat the best field but of the horses who are going to be long shots and i know will be coming late he's the one i like the most Craig Milkowski, Timeform US. He has a, a preview out there with David Aragona where they go through every horse in the field, and you'll hear him uh, dive into more weekend content. Craig, thank you so much, man. Uh, always, uh, always a pleasure touching base with you. And I'm jealous. You, you said uh, as we record early in the week on Tuesday, you're heading out uh, later in the week to go catch a, a couple basketball games. So uh, some some nice perks, uh, some nice family perks there, man. It's, it's it's good to know people in high places. Yeah. The, uh... <laughs> I can't figure out. I think the kids were just trying to get rid of us. It's I was going to say, up. party time. I got the invite. Come, I'm coming over for a big party uh, at the Milkowski house. I guess you didn't you didn't hear about it, so they've been doing a good job. Keep it on the low. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my birthday later this week, and then Mother's Day Monday. My wife's a Sixers fan, so we're actually going to Philly, and we'll be uh, going to games three and four of the uh, Sixers in heat. Hopefully, the Sixers can pull out game two to maybe make the series exciting, but in any case, I guess Joel Embiid is is try is penciling a comeback in for Game Three. So even if they're down two zero as a Thunder fan, I've seen that come from behind. Two mm-hmm. zero isn't a death sentence when you haven't lost at home yet. Yeah, especially when you haven't lost at home, right? If the like you and I are recording Tuesday, so coming up later tonight, there are a couple teams that are down. 01 at home and you go down 02 at home and then you go got to go on the road and play like the Bucks or the Warriors you're in some trouble you know you're you're in serious trouble there but yeah Philly if they even if they went down 02 going home with Embiid kind of picking them back up they could win a couple games there and uh, and turn it into a series so look forward to following you on social media checking out uh I'm sure some good pictures and some good uh some good stuff from the arena um I hope you have a nice time with your wife and we're getting closer. I look forward to seeing you. I'm going to be out there in uh, in like late June, so I'll uh, I'll touch base with you again in a couple weeks. And I'm I'm going to be uh, heading out to Oklahoma for a wedding, and um, I'll love to link up and get some dinner or uh, or lunch or a drink because we we've had 
hours and hours of conversations and never got to uh, to shake your head and say hello in person. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm getting a few visitors. I, I won't drop any names because I don't know how much they want to admit they're coming through Oklahoma. But <laughs> you're one cool. of the few that are going to be visiting here soon. Uh, looking, looking forward to it very much. Gina. Awesome, Craig. Uh, you're always uh, somebody that I, I go right to uh, on these big days. And uh, I really enjoy talking racing with you. Uh, I enjoy picking your brain and uh, all the products that, that you have over there at Timeform US are fantastic. Everybody always uses them as a, a reference. We love seeing how, uh, uh, you know, in this game, you're you're one of the guys that, that's fighting for the handicappers and the betters. You know, you want the times to be right. You want the numbers to be accurate. You want it to be, um, you know, just just a little bit easier for us as handicappers to get the correct information. So big fan of everything you do over there. And thank you so much for your time uh, each and every time we talk to you, buddy. Anytime, Gino, uh, you know me, any sport I'm available. Awesome. Yeah. We got to talk some tennis coming up soon. That was a lot of fun. Got to get you back for that. I had a blast uh, talking tennis with you there. Craig Milkowski from Timeform US. Make sure to uh, take a look at all of those products there. His partner, David Aracona, his podcast partner, they do such a fantastic job there. David's going to be joining us to talk some Derby and some Oaks. Also, uh, good luck to Craig and don't go anywhere, folks, because we still have a lot more as we get closer and closer to the Derby on Saturday. Big thank you to Craig Milkowski for helping us out. Craig uh, is heading uh, out of town for a few days to go catch a Philly game. That should be fun. So hope he has a a blast and happy birthday to Craig Milkowski. So that's going to be it for this episode. I do have another conversation about the Turf Classic with Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, and then we also talk about the Oaks and the Derby. So that'll be on the on a separate episode if you're looking for help on race number 11, and then more thoughts on the Oaks and the Derby with Andrew and with Darren. Just look for the next episode in your feed. It'll be immediately following this one. So hopefully uh, everyone is uh, already kicking butt through the, uh, the Saturday card at Churchill Downs up to this point, and we'll get to race number 11, and then into the Derby up next.